Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, welcome to the District Council's Planning Committee this afternoon, coming to you from Saffron Walden Town Hall. Town Hall? Yes, Town Hall. Um, to those of you listening in here and to those of you hopefully listening in on the web this afternoon, I'll start by running through how I intend to run today's committee. Um, as far as I know, there's going to be no expected fire drills, so if the alarm does go off, um, we leave down by that main door there and straight down the stairs onto the square. Um, the toilets are right down the stairs um, in the basement. Um, can I make sure that I've asked you to turn off your mobile phones or at least put them onto silent, please? If you're unfamiliar with the planning committee, council officers have prepared reports on each of the planning applications before us today and have recommended whether each particular application should either be approved or refused. It is, however, for the planning committee members seated along in front to assess the application and to make the final decision. Today we have, and I haven't counted them, we have... Nine, nine planning applications um, to consider. I will ask the relevant officer to give a short presentation on the proposal outlining the reasons for the recommendation. I will then invite those who have already registered to speak on the particular application to present your views. The applicant will then be given the opportunity to speak to their proposal and address any issues that have come up from the other speakers or the officer's report. Once we have gone through this, I will then open up the discussion to the planning committee members to make their points on the matter, to ask relevant questions of the officers before asking them to make a decision on the application, with the proposal to vote on whether the application should be approved, refused or deferred. I hope that's all clear. Before we go to the first application, we need to... Uh, somebody give me a... We need to take apologies for absence and any declarations of interest. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm a member of this town council, Saffron Warden Town Council, uh, and also one of these planning applications, I know the applicant and so it's number 7 22 Thaxted Road so I shall go next door or something whenever you come to consider that thank you thank you very much Councillor Freeman any other declarations of interest yeah, yeah. item 6 um, I'm a member of Stansted Parish Council and item 10 I'm chair of the Museum Management Committee of the Council. Thank you very much. Councillor Count. Oh, sorry, it was Councillor Caton. I'm sorry, did, did you, has somebody apologise for Councillor Lachlan? No. Right. Obviously, Councillor Sell is yes. substituting yes. for Councillor Lachlan. Thank you very much, Councillor Caton. Councillor Pavitt. Um, item four, I'll recluse myself from, as I'm a neighbour to the applicant. Thank you very much, Councillor Powell. Thank you. Um, first and foremost, I must recuse myself from item seven. I have a pecuniary interest in the matter related to the applicant. Um, I'm also the uh, 
cabinet member for communities and I'm a member of the 100 Parishes Society. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Councillor Reeve. Thank you, uh, Chair. Uh, a couple of things. I'm substituting for Paul Fairhurst at this meeting, so I assume that Paul has been uh, recorded as well, Councillor Fairhurst is being absent today and I'm representing him or subbing for him. And then uh, declaring a de uh, non-procuratory uh, declaration of interest for item 9 in my capacity as Ward Councillor for Hatfield, Broadoak and the Canterbury's. Item 8. Item 8, I beg your pardon. Thank you very much. And I um, declare interest that I am Ward Councillor for Felston and Stebbing in that relation to um, item 9. the minutes of the previous meeting. Whilst uh, greatly admiring the accuracy of the minutes, there was one thing missed, and that was that I was present. Uh, um, yeah. Our apologies, <laughs> Councillor Reid. You most certainly were. That has been changed. That has been changed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much. Turn it on. Are we all content with that? Yes. Thank you very much. I'll sign. I'll sign those if you don't. Thank you. Turn this back on. Before moving on, item three: the chief officer's report. The planning committee working group. Do you want to start, or Alex? <coughs> oh, do you want to take it? Then you can turn me off. If you I want can to. turn you off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Chairman. I think the, the report's quite self-explanatory. Um, I think immediately after the, the start of the current administration, a working group was set up from representations of the planning committee to discuss and consider future operations within the, um, the meeting going forward. And one of those matters initially spoken was, was the, um, the speaking uh, arrangements for planning committee. And there are quite, quite clearly in the representations here. It was to give parishes who currently have three an increase to five. Um, all public speakers who currently have three to have four. Um, to change the limit currently, to, that currently there's a five and five. There's five in support and five against. It's to move away from that before uh, four and against and generally at the moment have a ceiling of ten. With some discretion of the chairman, if we, if we get an 11th or a 12th, request and there's a discretion of the chairman to, to consider any more than that um, and then at the moment rather than have a community what used to happen is they used to cumulative, cumulative add it all up and the, um, the agent would have the balance of all of that so if you had eight of these and six of these you suddenly the, the agent would sit down and you'd say right you have 24 minutes or whatever we've decided that the group decided the best way forward to do that is just to give a straight 15 minutes and that's for the whole of the team. So that could be the agent, the applicant, highway engineers, whoever they've got, that comes to a total of 15. We would request some sort of balance if there was no speakers against, 
then, then the, the, the uh, chairman may have a discretion to reduce that to actually, if you add no speakers against, why should the applicant have 15? But that's the discretion of the chair. And also, on site visits, this is more of an operational thing outside of the meeting, to limit the amount of town and town parish representations on site visits to two. To add to that, operationally, it would also be that the parish council and town council would be invited to the town meeting with the time, and they will be met by the coach on the site, so add a little bit more. The rules, of the, the rules of the game are these have to be considered by the, um, the Governance, Audit and Performance Committee to actually ratify them. But um, the, the recommendation is to give the discretion, and this is quite in line with the, with the, um, the, the rules of the game, is that the, to give the Chairman of the Planning Committee the discretion to actually operate this as from now, uh, as for this meeting in front of us today, on a trial basis, and so therefore we can see how it goes um, and then if it works or it needs to be tweaked then we can take a formal report to GAP later on in the, in the year. So the, the, the representation is, is to actually pick those up in terms of the public speaker. I don't know if you've got anything else you'd like to add to that. Um, I'd, I'd, like to, I mean, I'd actually like to thank all the members that came along and you, you'll be able to see attached is the report from the meeting. You'll also see that there are some extra pieces that are not on the report at the front today um, that were discussed that are ongoing, um, which I think will help as well. I think we, we wanted to make it more, the idea was make it more user-friendly for everybody to come along and so that people felt they had more of an input. So that parish, particularly town and parish councils had a, felt they had more of an input as well. Um, so the group really did feel that we, and we all, we all worked really well together, which was great, and, and, and including the officers, um, Gordon Glendig and Nigel here. Um, it, was, it was a, we felt we came up with some really good ideas. So, so as of today, we'll carry this forward until it, as it, until it goes in front of GAP. So thank you. Would anybody like to make any comments? Discuss anything? Councillor Keaton. Thank you. I mean, I welcome this report as a kind of first step of reorganising the, the uh, planning committee's work programme activities. I just request that we also have some information on performance um, measures, because I know that uh, performance measures are reported to the governance, audit and performance committee, but the uh, can the, this committee doesn't actually receive those reports. It does seem to me a bit illogical that we're not actually measuring our own performance. So I just ask for that report on a regular basis in the future. Thank you. Okay. One thing I will say that... that, that oh, sorry. One thing I will say is that, that wasn't a, the working group wasn't a one-off. We will have other things. It will be ongoing so that other members of the committee who aren't sitting on that can bring things to discuss and we'll hope to carry that forward. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, likewise, I'd like to um, also agree that I think these are very good uh, trial proposals. Um, and um, I think what's important, I think, is that being part of the working group, the idea is that we use these to try to make better decisions or to make the best decisions that we can with as much input from 
people um, of the community and the experts involved and where members of course can possibly moving forward question um, items of fact. So I think the foundation is there I think for us to be as good a committee as we can be and I think this is a very good start. Thank you, Thank you very much. Does anybody else like to say anything? No? Okay. Moving on to... I they do technically have to do, vote do, to accept them. We do technically want. <laughs> okay. Therefore, could I have a proposal, please, for this item? Okay. Councillor Gerard? No, second. Thank you very much, Councillor Lemon. Therefore, we have a... Um, I'd like to approve this matter. Um, so, can I have a ha hands, please, for this? Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. So, moving on to item four, that is UTT 190514, HHF Werns Folly in Great Chesterford. And that is me. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Chairman. I think members, I don't. I think the majority of members visited this site this morning. It was deferred from the previous meeting for a site visit. And I think once you see it on site, you get it. I think that's the bottom line. Um, it's a very, very difficult thing to represent on the plan. Uh, the proposal was to, hopefully this will, yeah, the proposal is to, I'm trying to get my bearings on this one. Yeah, the proposal was to actually place, I'm trying to find the road, there's the road there. <laughs> the proposal was to place a fence and a gate Across the, front, across the front of the property, um, it's, that doesn't really help matters at all. That's probably why members needed to visit the site. But the issue was, um, when you have a the fence, um, and I think members were concerned and members wanted to see for themselves the effects of the view of the church. And I think if you, you've also got a beam road behind there, which actually blocks it when you're actually standing next to the site anyway. But when you're standing in the public areas from the footpath, from the road, you can clearly see the church and this gate would not affect that look at, look at it at all. And in terms of the impact, the views and the choice of materials, it is identical to what's been used in the site next door. So we, we, I can understand why members wanted to visit the site, and that's now clarified. So the recommendation is, is for approval, Chairman. I need a proposal, well, you proposal first. <laughs> I propose. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, we have um, a proposal to vote for approve. Um, so, all those in favour of the proposal? Madam Chairman, if I may just have a, 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 a comment, please. Um, I have no problem at all with the application uh, in terms of the fencing. For me personally, particularly bearing in mind this is in a conservation area, there is the issue of the view of the church from the public footpath at the, at the street entrance. Um, we did see the view from the pavement to where the proposed gate would be and the um, councillor, former councillor Rolf did stand with the make-believe posts of what, where, where the gate would be. I think uh, if it would be fair if we just applied a condition to the height of the gate. I think that would be a fair condition. I don't think it would detrimentally affects what he has to do, what their family have to do, but in terms of protecting that view, there should be, I think, a, a height limit on the gate. Now, I, I personally think it should be somewhere between 
1.2 metres and 1.8 metres. I'll leave it to everyone else to debate how high that should be. But I think when we stood there, we saw quite clearly from the furthest point one could, could get to the private land, with the angle that one looked at where the gate would be, it seemed to be at about 1.7, 1.8 metres. I'm not sure, but around there. I thought the original uh, proposal was 1.8 metres, and I think the sticks that Mr. Um, uh, stood up with, look, Mr. Rolf stood up with, were 1.8 metres. So I didn't think it was a problem. So I still. Prefer I, I would. I'm going to agree with Beffy here. <laughs> it is the proposal is 1.8, but I think there's not a there's no harm in putting for the. The application is, is, is not the best presented application I should, I should put, and I have put forward that to the applicant. So for the avoidance of doubt, um, I think we, there's not a problem to say that the, the approved gate will be no higher than 1.8. It's actually 1.83 metres is what's the specification. So it's we know higher than 1.83. We can put that on as a condition, not a problem. Okay. So... Are you okay now? Right, fine. So we have a proposal was Councillor Count, seconded by Councillor Clayton um, to approve this matter. Therefore, um, all those in favour of this? Approved unanimously, Madam Chair. Thank you. Item five, UTT nineteen zero nine five seven, FUL Unit Eight Ashton Road, Commercial Centre. Anyone, before you go, can you can you make it clear that Councillor Pavitt left the room during that discussion? Has now returned. Well, I might have just done that. You by might saying. think you've just done that. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Smith, thank you. Thank you, Chair. The application before us is for full planning permission for the erection of a joinery workshop building uh, incorporating offices and a showroom. Uh, together with uh, the proposal, it's proposed that there will be uh, landscaping works and car parking as well. The application site is located um, off Ashton Road on what's known as the Ridgeon site, um, where there is history regarding the application. Um, if you go through um, section 6 of the report on page 27, um, it outlines uh, about how planning permission was granted back in 2014 for a, uh, an, application, an, an enabling application which demolished the, um, the old commercial buildings that sat on the site um, to allow for 167 dwellings to the, um, to the west of the application site here and to enable a more, um, more better quality uh, employment land uh, and floor space being provided to the east of the site of which uh, the Ridgins building has been redeveloped as part of that 
there is an upgraded access into the site with a bus turning facility and a main spine road. As part of that, um, the main access, you access into the residential dwellings to the west and, uh, as I say, uh, the employment units to the, to the east of the site. This is the scheme proposed on site and how it would sit on the application site. Um, let's say, as part of the scheme, there will be an access coming into the site and into the proposed parking. Details of the parking have been discussed within the report, um, together with the landscaping. In terms of the principle, the principle has already been agreed on site via the outline application, although, as discussed through the report, it, it wasn't necessarily where it was envisaged to be cited uh, as part of the original master plan um, illustrative plan. However, um, the principle is acceptable uh, in terms of the size and scale of the building. Um, this is a rough idea of what the layout will be in terms of the main entrance into the building. Um, the shorter end, obviously, of the building will be, uh, will be more visible uh, to the public uh, off the spine road and the length hidden behind existing landscaping on a, um, on a, behind a verge landscaping. There will be a proportion of landscaping that will be removed as part of the scheme. However, there are conditions where further details will be provided uh, should the application be approved. Uh, this will give you an idea of what the building will look like from um, the uh, from the entrance into from the east and the uh, the view that will be open to the public from the car park. And this is the elevation that will be hidden behind the landscaping along Ashton Road, and uh, what will be viewed from the street scene um, coming into the site itself. Um, this provides you a bit more information in terms of how it would sit on the ground levels. Uh, in terms of the height of the building, it will be 5.8 metres from the, um, the highest point of the ground there. Um, and from the access road where the ground levels um, incre incline upwards, it will be 9 metres in height um, in total. In terms of the overall scheme, the design, um, whilst it's quite a large building, it's what you would typically expect within an employment uh, site. Uh, as I said, the principle is acceptable. Um, in terms of the car parking, um, whilst the parking standards aren't necessarily fully compliant in terms of the size of the parking bays, uh, they have over-provided in terms of the numbers that they need on site, so it, um, in effect, counterbalances itself in that respect. Um, in terms of uh, highway impact, uh, again, that was considered in terms of outline application together with air quality. The flooding, um, that a condition has been recommended that it would need to accord with the wider uh, flood risk and uh, flood risk plan and mitigation scheme that has been um, conditioned as part of the outline, so it will come through onto this site as well. In terms of biodiversity, um, 
Whilst no objection has been raised, uh, both by ECC and the Special Verges Officer, concern has been raised about the damage which has been that has occurred previously, because uh, we have a special landscape, uh, sorry, a special verge designation along this part of the site. It's outside of the application site itself. However, um, a condition has been recommended, Condition 16, to help mitigate any further impact during the construction works of, um, of the scheme. Again, should that be granted. And this also tallies with any details of landscaping to help um, nourish the uh, special verges as well. As a result, approval is recommended, subject to a Section 106 condition regarding a travel plan, which will feed back into the main outline application, and uh, the conditions which are listed on page 41 onwards. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Ms. Houston. Thank you, Chair. I have a question for the officers, if I may. This is a very specific proposal for joinery workshop and associated showroom usage. Could you comment, please, as to exactly what the outline planned permission for this part of the overall region site is for, and also comment upon the extent to which uh, any further planning permission would be required to change the use of that building within the context of the existing outline application, please. In terms of the original outline, um, the illustrative plan and the phasing plan which was approved, on page... 27, um, there is the, um, the most recent phasing plan that had been approved for the overall site. This indicates that um, to the west, which is uh, probably just about make out, in the purple, which is a zone 1B, in the lighter green shade in the middle to the west, uh, it's phase two, and to the north, uh, a slightly darker green, phase four. That's the residential which is being currently built out at the moment. In terms of the um, employment aspect uh, to the east of that, the dark blue um, as immediately uh, to the north of the bus turning area, that was designated... Um, as part of the illustrative plan for a retail uh, local store with um, seven of, of the um, overall 167 units to be uh, located above the store itself. The paler um, area which has been uh, marked to the north of that, um, which is phase three, that's been... Um, that's been highlighted for B1 um, research um, office facilities. So uh, a lower intense um, floor uh, nature of use to be located there. You've got the region store, which is in orange, which has uh, been built out. To the north, um, you've got the yellow phase five, which has been... Um, Flexible use in terms of B2, which is general industrial, 
B1 office, light industrial, and B8 storage and distribution. The um, the aqua colour, which is phase 1D, which is where the application site is, that was envisaged that there'd be a hotel um, stroke pub stroke restaurant located there, together with um, parking as well along that part of the site. Um, that hasn't come forward. There's been, if you look into the history, there's been um, an application recently refused uh, for uh, 55 houses um, on phases three and five, which is currently with the planning inspectorate at the moment, uh, reducing the level of uh, employment floor space which had originally been applied for, um, pushing obviously uh, the rest of the employment space uh, that would be retained to the south of the site on this site. As I said, the other application has been refused. It's with the planning inspectorate at the moment, but based on, um, even though a phasing plan has been approved, we have a full application uh, for this site, which um, they're quite, quite entitled to do so, to change, and they can change the phasing plan in this way. Um, but yes, it, it does alter the phasing plan, so they would need to relook at that as well. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, can we go back to the pretty colour map, uh, the one which gives zone A, B? Maybe you don't have one loaded there. I apologise, I haven't downloaded that. Oh, what a shame. Uh, that was in the, um, yeah. The well, never mind. Uh, if you stay with that one for the moment, mm -hmm. uh, you've enunciated the history of this site. I'll mm -hmm. just go over it because it's in my ward and I know it very well. Um, to the left of that red shape, uh, there are currently 167 houses being built out. There will be, there is consent for a further 12 on a triangle of land beyond that, sequestered by the District Council from Division Avenue as unused land. And as you've already pointed out, there is an application ex which has been refused for 55 dwellings on land to the north of that, part of the site, uh, for industrial, business, commercial use. That has been refused, but it's under appeal. I think it's reasonable, in my opinion, to imagine that eventually uh, that land will be developed for dwellings, because that's the way of it. So what we have here is a site that was going to be a hotel. There was going to be a pub. There was talk of a gym as well. These are all sort of fairly upmarket sort of things. And to the left of it, we have a housing estate with the best part of 200 dwellings, and probably we'll get another 155 dwellings on what is currently zoned uh, for commercial or industrial use. A substantial development. All of the access to these dwellings will be across that funny-shaped island to the north of that red shape, um, which is a sort of traffic island, loss-in-shape thing. Every vehicle going into and out of the housing area has to pass around that roundabout. So it's important the, the nature of the approach to a housing estate is very important and developers put an awful lot of work into putting mansions up at the entrance very often to their new housing estates and then you put all the affordables right at the back where nobody sort of really knows they exist. Uh, that hasn't happened here but what goes onto that site is important uh, for the amenity, for the sense of place and for the people that have bought houses there. The houses there cost the best part of a half a million pounds each, certainly about 300k. Uh, there's a lot of money invested by Joe Public in that housing estate. 
and a hotel would have been okay. A gym would be excellent. It gives the right sort of scene, right sort of position. A carpentry workshop, well, that's something different. And a carpentry workshop can be turned into something else entirely. It's just a question of applying for the appropriate planning consent. Once it's a carpentry workshop, it could be anything. I don't have anything against carpentry workshops. There was one that went into receivership elsewhere in Saffron Warden, so quite recently. So maybe there's not a huge market for them, but that's not a planning issue. Uh, we started off with a hotel. We were told there's no case for a hotel. We've got to turn the remaining site into houses. That was, the lie of that was given by the fact that very shortly afterwards, planning consent was granted for a hotel next door to the Aldi site and the recycling site, uh, I think a 78-bed unit or something like that, quite big. Uh, it's a, one of these uh, chain hotels, perfectly satisfactory. Clearly, the builders of that believe there is a market. But no, no, there's no market here. So my concern, can we see some of the elevations, please, of the buildings? Uh, uh, there's one which gives the landscape. Yes, that's quite good, thank you. Uh, you can see it's on rising land. If you look to the left of the image in the centre, you actually get the road level. And it's quite, the, the ridge is quite a long way above the road. Uh, and although this plan has some quite nice landscaping which would appear to be this side, the viewer side uh, of the middle elevation. Uh, can you show us the plan, please? Because the plan is different. Sorry, the... That, that's fine, the one you had. Yeah, OK. Oh. If you look at that, there's no landscaping to the south whatsoever. Not that I can see. There's a building hard up against its boundary. No trees, no shrubs, no nothing, and it doesn't belong to us, Gov, so it doesn't matter. So if you are going to build this out, if there is a consent, I would say you condition to have very adequate landscaping, and the adequate landscaping should be from the south as well as from the west. So that, that's, that's the first point, Madam Chairman. Uh, the next point is that on that illustration, uh, the south-facing roof of the proposed building, this is outline or is this substantive? Uh, this is full. Full, okay, thank you. In that case, it's, it's going to be built if it's approved. Um, the roof would appear to have windows in it, the self-facing roof. Are they solar panels? If they're solar panels, that's excellent. If they're windows, it would be slightly less good, perhaps. Are they solar panels, can you tell me? Excellent. That's very good. Thank you. Um, one or two other points, which I think if, you, if this is consented, the conditions are very important. If you go to page 39... Section E, which is infrastructure, uh, paragraph 1131, and it quotes Gen 6 at us, uh, and, and not be permitted unless it's made provision at the appropriate time for community facilities, school capacity, other infrastructure. Um, and the final penultimate sentence or line says, contribute to the cost of such provision. One of the things we don't get, and I suppose you're going to tell me, oh, we don't do that sort of thing, but actually childcare is very important. And childcare in Saffron Warden is very hard to come by. There are two uh, nurseries. One is in, well, there's probably more than two, but two I know of. One is in the Lord Butler Leisure Centre. The other one is the Bell Nursery, just up the road from it. They are the other side of town. Now, people have children. They sometimes take children to work before they go off to work themselves. You can either have them near your home or you can have them near your place of work, but you do need somewhere to leave them. And so a provision, Section 106 provision, for childcare would be no bad thing. Uh, if you go down to 1137 at the bottom of the page, 
condition by the special verges officer. I didn't know we had a special verges officer, but I, I'm very glad that they exist. Uh, and I know you said, oh, that's not part of the site. It's nothing to do with us. But actually, I think that's too easy an answer. Uh, we often say it's not part of the site, it's nothing to do with us. Uh, and then, oh dear, oh dear, something dreadful has happened to it. And we need to stop that. And maybe in the past, folks weren't too worried about it. But I'm certainly worried about it. And I'd like to think that this administration is worried about it. So I think the condition to protect those verges should be applied uh, as far as is possible. Uh, if you go on to page 45, paragraph 15, we're talking about conditions here, that um, you talk about lighting, and that's very good. Again, bear in mind that this is an industrial unit. It would probably be lit 24-7 for security purposes. That's what you do. You keep the outside lights on all the time. That will have an impact on dwellings. Uh, and the level of impact depends on how good the lights are. So if there's light spillage from that, the people in the houses will certainly know about it. And so we need to be very careful to make sure that the light is very directional and may be timed to go out. Of course, industrial estates, generally speaking, do keep the lights on because they get burgled. Uh, I think that's sufficient for the moment, Madam Chairman, but I don't have any problems with the... It's an unfortunate building to have on an elevated position on the way into a housing estate, which will have the best part of 200 dwellings very soon, and will probably have another 55 if the applicant is successful on appeal. I don't know. It might. Uh, developers are very good at, at landowners at gaming the situation, and they play a long game. So I think we need to think very carefully about what sort of building we want to have on this main approach, only approach, and uh, once it's built, it's built. And once it's got consent, it can be turned into something else. So I think it's important to, for this committee to get this right if we possibly can, Madam Chairman. Thank you very much, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Gerard. Oh, sorry, yes. Councillor Keaton. I, I understand totally Councillor Freeman's uh, concerns as a ward councillor for this area, but I think we need to also be looking at uh, the kind of wider policy uh, implications. I mean, this area ha was always employment land. It had, you know, it's called Ridgeon Site because it, it had a series of uh, small to medium-sized enterprises uh, operating on it. Uh, and it, uh, yes, it has had a planning application for housing on part of the site. But I do think sometimes we think that housing is the only thing that, that we need and rather than uh, and as I understand this company who's put the application in is an existing uh, Uttlesford based company from, from Great Dumbo and I, you know, who wants to expand and I think from an economic development point of view it is something that this council should be encouraging in suitable locations now, uh, I think that this is most probably a suitable lo location. On what I do agree with, uh, with, uh, with Councillor Freeman is the need to protect the special verge up on Ashton Road because there has been previous uh, developments which have damaged that special verge. It is a, quite unique. It's a chalkland um, area which has rare species on it. 
And what I would request that condition 16 is toughened up uh, and that the, uh, the construction management uh, uh, plan actually doesn't just refer to constructive construction operatives because that seems to be indicate it's only the people that are under the uh, control of the developer but it should actually be the construction companies and subcontractors who are also made responsible for the protection of this verge. It cannot be... We really have got to toughen up the wording so that we cannot have a repeat of previous desecration of this area. Thank you very much. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, I agree with Councillor Freeman and Councillor Caton. On, on, I think we, we, we need to encourage employment in our district, and I think historically this area has been a commercial area. It's unfortunate that residential approvals and buildings have been allowed and crept in onto this area, but we are where we are. Ridgens moved across, Ridgens is built, it's there, it's on the same side as this application site. I, in principle, I don't have a problem with this application per se. However, I do think that if we are minded to approve, we do need to tighten the conditions slash 106, depending on how we look at it. I think that from a, having been there this morning, having stood opposite where the homes are, if we do not landscape properly, there will potentially be um, a blight to those homes and those owners. So I'd like to see um, a strengthening of the landscape provision, be it a condition or an extra part of the 106, uh, in addition to the uh, landscaping conditions on, on, that, on that verge. But in general, I think that, bearing in mind we are where we are in terms of what is already approved and being built, uh, I have no particular objection to the application. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chair. Yes, I agree with that. I think it's important that um, this council does encourage industry and employment. But my only one concern with this is lighting at night. Uh, I think that the, there are a lot of um, houses and residential in the area and it, it can be done properly, lighting at night. And I think, that could we, can we ask the planning officers just to look into this to make sure that people aren't having glaring lights shining in their windows? The devil's in the detail in terms of the conditions, isn't it? That's, been, that's what, it, what I'm picking up here. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm picking up, for want of a better word, Councillor Freeman's uh, shopping list in terms of the, the matters he raised. I wouldn't be so pessimistic about the loss of the application that we currently have for 55 houses on the existing commercial land, but I, I know where Councillor Freeman's come from. Some, it could go on forever. And I think the other issue is here that we haven't, apart from the Ridgens building itself, we haven't seen any of the commercial stuff coming in. So at the moment you hand, end up with housing and virgin land at the moment, and so therefore I think it's, it's difficult, and this is the first building. In terms of landscaping, um, obviously what, what we have in front of us at the moment is condition 14, 
and condition 12. Sorry, condition 12 is what. So there's a, there's a, there's a suite of conditions around the landscaping. Um, it is within our gift. If you want to tighten that up, specifically add some more specific requirements within those landscaping requirements um, moving forward. So that's our, that's our first issue. Um, picking up the issue about contributions to early years um, is an element of double counting here because the housing that's been approved has made contributions to early years. And so, so the, and that is, goes across the board, across the district, housing contributes to early years provision um, and the general rule of thumb is that industry, that employment doesn't because you're double counting. You're, 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 you're counting them where they live and you're counting them where they work so it shouldn't really be commercially moving forward unless it's an absolute large employment generator that, which needs to wash its own face directly. Uh, quite often it's, it's covered by the housing. The special verges, again, you have a suggested condition 16 which Councillor Caton has alluded to and I think I agree with Councillor Caton. We, there is more than just individual construction operatives, so therefore we can actually potentially boost that up. I should add that the, the recent damage that's been done to the Special Verge was done by utilities, um, but uh, those utilities were working on behalf of the developer, so how do we, how do we finish, sort that out? And also, finally, in terms of lighting, you have a condition suggested, condition 15, again, which is within your gift, to slightly strengthen out. So, um, so I think the way forward is, you know, with I may, that we can actually look at individual conditions moving forward to see whether they need to be controlled, possibly in that way forward. You know, so you've got landscaping, um, special verge, and lighting. There's obviously other conditions on there as well that you do. So I don't know how you want to play this, how you want to do that. In terms of... Yeah. Sorry, might I suggest that, in, like we have done previously, possibly th those conditions... Maybe the officers try to tighten them and then bring them back to us to approve. Because, I mean, certainly on the landscaping, my concern is just that there's sufficient landscaping. What is sufficient, I'm not sure, but sufficient landscaping as to minimise the potential blight. Councillor Freeman mentioned issues of access. I mean, all the issues, I think, for us, I'd like to be able to look at them again. But I, for me, it's a matter of, of the conditions as opposed to the application itself. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a resolution to that effect to actually to come back with, you know, we generally support the proposal subject to appropriate conditions. Um, all I was going to say on the landscaping issues, have you, got, have you picked up enough from what council of, well, from what the committee's concerns are in terms of the shortcomings of, well, you know, how the, you know, what needs to be done to, to boosten up the landscaping? I mean, is, is issues around landscaping to the south? In terms of what's been provided, um, they've indicated landscaping. There is landscaping on the embankment which they haven't shown. I have asked for uh, a more detailed uh, landscape plan to show, because there will be a level of removal of landscaping within the site on, on top of the embankment, which hasn't been provided or indicated. Um, so, which is why, obviously, the conditions um, 12 to 14 have been placed on here. Um, so there will be a, a retention of heavy landscape along here, which they haven't uh, necessarily properly indicated on the, on the drawings. Um, but uh, with, with the condition, um, 
could emphasise uh, a bit more in terms of what we'd expect from the landscaping. Um, the conditions are typically standard uh, to ensure that they do provide these um, prior to... Um, well, it says prior to erection, so maybe that could change to uh, before commencement of development um, to ensure um, that the site isn't touched until those details are agreed. Um, Councillor Sell. Madam Chair, uh, I just wanted to speak about the verges. I was interested, like uh, Councillor Freeman mentioned, about the biodiversity there. I did read recently that... Hertfordshire County Council are doing initiative on roadside verges because precisely the reason um, that these, many of these verges are important in their own right and I'm glad that we are doing something about it. Well, I hope we are. <laughs> Councillor Bagnall. Yeah, I think regarding the landscaping, I think the issue is that we'd like to see either the tightened obligations a committee so we can make sure they meet the needs of what we're talking about or you could do the alternative which is you can't proceed until the landscaping plans have been approved by this committee so you can do it one way or the other you can either do it through the conditioning or you could do it through the actual plans themselves because obviously we can't tell from there properly so unless it's a proper landscape plan or a proper set of conditions um, what we've got currently won't do I think that's the point. I think it needs to come back in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, hear me all the way through here. Normally, if we approve, if we have a tight condition and we have a landscaping submission, it would not normally be the process to come in front of committee to approve it. But I do totally agree with Councillor Freeman's cons not concerns, worries more than concerns in terms of the fact is that we, this is a very important site. Landscaping is absolutely critical. Um, the case officer has been trying to get the landscaping plan. I think you need to see the landscaping scheme potentially before you determine the application. At least a theme, a parameter of how it. I've been, uh, well, I use that the term. I want to see the Latin. I want to see the, what tree species we're going to do. We may not be able to go that far, but we maybe have to have a parameter plan of where the landscaping is going to be set up, um, and then then you can then say actually we're satisfied with that. Or, or, or subject to a little bit more, we can do it. So I think rather than adding, I think members are concerned that they want to see the, land, the, the scheme, the landscaping scheme before it's developed, not just the tightening of the conditions. So I think what we can try to do is we have been trying to do this in terms of trying to get the landscaping scheme submitted as part of this application. Actually, so you'll have a landscaping scheme, a parameter plan, this is what you're going to get, and then we tie it in turn, you don't even do anything until that's, you know, that's, and then, then you know what you're approving. Where, sorry, where, do, where does that leave us then? Does that leave us deferring this until we get a landscape well, scheme? No, well, if, we, if we go through the other bits first, so just part landscaping for a minute, yeah. so that's one issue. So at the moment we're looking at, um, you know, if we're in a resolution to go away to look at conditions, what I would have suggested is that we get the landscaping scheme in and the conditions will cover that. So the second issue is in terms of the special verge issue, um, which I think possibly... Yeah, I think this was a good attempt, um, but probably members are obviously more concerned than it seems to be more tightening up. And I think issues around the utilities. The issue is, does this... I mean, there, was, there has been discussions about whether this should be part of the Section 106 or whether it shouldn't be. Um, I think a tight condition could do the job. We can look at this in terms of whether or not a tighter condition 
or a c condition that becomes a clause within the 106 in terms of construction management plan moving on. Then you then look in beyond just the, the development, you're looking upon the responsibilities of the construction traffic. So we need to look at that as well. So we're looking to tighten that condition up. And in terms of the lighting condition, you have a condition 15. So I don't know if members got concerns about that condition 15. The one thing on lighting, of course, it can actually be very, um, very difficult for people living and purchased houses. But we've not looked at the biggest building on this site has got lighting, surely, which is the Regent site. So how has that affected the residents? Haven't, re haven't received any complaints. No, exactly. So I think we should look very carefully. I, I do believe lighting is, a, is, a, is an issue, but we should look at it a little bit more closely because you've already got a building that's been up for, I think, three or four years now with lighting on it, and that's got more to steal than a, than a joinery. Hmm. Sorry, but have members got anything? Does, what does Condition 15 not cover that worries you moving forward? Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you for letting me come back. Uh, the answer to number 15 is what it doesn't cover. What it doesn't cover are metrics. It doesn't cover lumens per square metre. It doesn't cover the amount of scatter. It doesn't cover the impact on the night sky, all of which we have a right to a decent night sky, apparently. It doesn't actually give you a yardstick by which you can go along and say, no, it doesn't conform to that. There may be a regulation embedded in here somewhere. But my point throughout this, I've been on planning for 20 years now. This is my third term on this particular committee. I've seen a lot. And part of what I've seen is we have a wonderful discussion and we're all in complete agreement. And everybody goes away very happy. And then the ship sails on and the thing gets built out in more or less the same way as it started out. Or at least that's the way it appears to my jaded mind. Um, and I would like to find ways of making sure that the discussion here is actually translated into reality. And I know the officers do their very best on this, but I'm certainly mindful of Councillor Bagnall's point that bringing things back to committee is very cumbersome. Uh, I think we have to trust the officers to encapsulate the wishes of the committee, the decisions, because that's your job and that's what you're there for, and you, you do it well if you're given clear instruction or if there's a clear decision to be enacted. So when it comes to lighting... There are metrics. There are books of metrics. There are reams of them, you know. You can define this. Whilst I'm on that subject, something I failed to mention last time, Madam Chairman, I'm sorry, is noise. Because uh, carpentry workshops can make a lot of noise. Uh, and I know of one example of one near Clavering, quite some while ago, no longer trades, where there was a lot of problems to people in the near, nearby houses uh, from uh, noise pollution generated inside because people left the doors open on hot days, which is perfectly reasonable, uh, and it made the amenity of local houses damage them quite considerably. So again, we need metrics on that. One thing we haven't mentioned in your report, Madam, in the report, Madam Chairman, is electricity charging points, I think, and maybe they are, but uh, yeah, there's, there's mention of one, which is generous, uh, generous in the sense that normally there's mention of none. Uh, but Government policy is to actually get us into electric cars or electric hybrid vehicles, plug-in hybrids. And that will happen, I think. 
Uh, and it's perfectly reasonable for people then to be able to charge their vehicles up at work. So one point would not be enough. Solar panels, I probably missed it, please correct me, but I can't find it in the report. So please tell me where it is. Solar panels would be wonderful on that, but I don't actually see it in the report, but I may have missed it. So please point me to it if it's there. And finally, as I said, nighttime pollution, that's important. I think that can be dealt with by metrics. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. In fact, Councillor Freeman covered uh, uh, my points because, indeed, the solar panels, he asked the question, are they mentioned here? And I couldn't find them. So I think this would be an excellent site now, considering the uh, uh, Council's policy on uh, environmental matters. And uh, ditto, the electric charging points was the same. Uh, I was, that was the point I was going to raise. With respect to light, it says that we're to protect nocturnal animals, but protecting people was not mentioned. Thank you. Anybody? Right. So we need to take this to a proposal. Do I have a proposal from anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no? I was waiting for it to rule out right, before yes, I went but yes, came back to Councillor yes, Bagman. Yes. I think a lot of the discussion has now been around, as I say, the devil's in the details in terms of the conditions. I think there is. Now, obviously, those conditions need to be, be properly worded and, and properly sorted out. And I think they have been up to now. And I don't think there's a criticism of the officer's report. But members have added extra requirements, which is fair enough. That's what your job is, to be honest. And so we're happy to come up with a trawl of additional conditions to come up, you know, boost these conditions up. Picking up, Councillor, I think it was your request to actually... No, no problem with this necessarily, but can we see the a bit boosted up conditions moving forward? And we can't do those on the hoof in the committee. That's the next stage. But I think we do need a resolution that you're generally supportive of the application subject to the conditions coming back for you. So, and then I will then pick up what those conditions that you're talking about are to make sure we don't miss any. And then what you've mentioned is um, landscaping, special verge, lighting. noise and lighting... Now, the solar panel, yeah, so that's, those are the things that we mentioned in terms of the conditions. Um, and now, I think there are some things that can be boosted up here in terms of noise, but you need, couldn't lose sight of the fact that a joining workshop is general industry. So, but it doesn't mean to say that we still have to have controls over noise to make sure that it's... Sorry, you couldn't say something? Yeah, um... <laughs> The, just going back to the conditions, there are a couple of conditions that have been added um, in, within the recommendation. Condition 5, for example, uh, states that um, before, the commence, before the development commences, uh, details of plant and machinery, noise and dust mitigation shall be submitted to and approved by the local authority. Um, Condition 9 also states that no processes shall be carried out or power tools, equipment, machinery or plants of any kind shall be used at any time anywhere on the site except within the building as permitted. Obviously that can alter with regards to keeping doors shut so uh, noise doesn't um, emit outwards. Um, with regards to the vehicle charging points, Condition 8... Yeah, uh, it's three, yeah. It, it reflects the outline. Um, unfortunately, there isn't a, a policy or a formula in terms of how many we ask for. Um, I think that that covers it. Also, there wasn't, unfortunately, there wasn't a condition regarding details of the solar panels. Uh, we've never 
typically ask for it. We do ask uh, occasionally for uh, buildings to be done to BREAM standards, but those regulations have been altered quite a bit through the building regs as well. If I can, very briefly, uh, there may not be a condition, but we have a motion passed before council of this council that we um, make ourselves as environmentally responsible as possible. And that roof is crying out to be one of two things. Either cover it with solar panels, because it's self-facing, very good, or turn it into a green roof. But you can't just look at it and say, oh, it's a roof. That's, we haven't got any conditions. I think it's, it would be a wasted opportunity. Councillor Lemon. Okay. Yeah, just on, on lighting, I'll take the Count's point. It might be worth just checking what Ridgens is like um, and whether there have been complaints from Ridgens about the, their lighting. And if, you could, if you could set the standard there, you would, it would be the easiest way out. So. Councillor Gerard. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of mindful to try to move this to... Um, a motion, a proposal actually, but I'm not quite sure what I'm proposing. I'd like to propose that we are minded to approve subject to a list of things that we feel this needs, and we have a list before us, if that's the right way to go, or are we looking at something else here? I think you just said it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, because I think before we go back and start discussing details with the applicant, he needs to see at least to get some comfort that he's not going to wear webs. Because we, we all want the same thing here, to be honest. So in which case, I'd like to propose uh, that we approve, subject to um, tighter conditions on lighting, landscaping. Um, we'd like uh, section 106 on, on, on the roof in terms of solar panel or a green roof. Uh, the Verge, Noise, have I missed something? And anything else that we can think of? <laughs> but you, you get my drift. But I, I, I think that um, they are minuted, but I mean, I, I think that ultimately we're here to mitigate a scheme that we all, I think, want, and I, I certainly think that we should accept it, but mitigate these key points as much as we can. And I think that we're entitled as a committee to requests that uh, and hopefully the officers obviously under the uh, powers of delegated authority will, will get that done for us. So I propose that we do that. I second that. Are you saying the, and you want those conditions to come back to you? Um, I'm not sure we need to as long as, it, as, as, as we have made it clear that those are the conditions that we want to be satisfied um, and I think it's only, in my opinion it's only fair that you, you officers have our delegated authority to, to take, carry it out, unless anyone else thinks otherwise. Councillor Bagnall, did you want yeah, to say something? Yes, just before we vote, um, I just wanted to check on the solar panel issue. Um, I'm assuming this is a drawing submitted by the applicant or the agent. Do they mention the solar panels in their application? Well, all right, we can look at that later, but the point I was going to make is they've given the impression that they're going to install solar panels by their drawing, so it's un it doesn't seem unreasonable that we make that condition of any approval, but they do carry out what they intended to do. Very, very briefly on that, that array as drawn there is a substantial array. It's about a 30 kilowatt peak array. It's worth having. 
Uh, and actually, if they say solar panels, and they stick on half a dozen panels and say, there you are, Governor, there's your solar panels, which is not uncommon. Uh, I think that the, the level represented in that architect's drawing should be represented in the peak output of the final array. I would agree. I would agree. Okay, right. We have a proposal proposed by Councillor Gerard, seconded by Councillor LeCount. Um, therefore, our uh, opposition to approve this proposal. Subject to the sorry, apologies. Subject to the conditions. And I'm not going to, because I'll forget them all. Yeah. Subject to the yeah, conditions. Yeah, we've got that. We've got, we've got that. That's captured. And that'll be captured in the minutes as well. So, right. so take that to a vote. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you. That, that is approved. Thank you. UTT 19-11154, Brazil, 14 St. John's, Crescent, Stansted. And it's Chris Tyler. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Chair. The application site um, previously included a detached bungalow and garage to the east of St. John's, Crescent, in Stansted, Mount Fitchett. The application is for retrospective demolition for the existing bungalow and garage and the proposed erection of a two of two two-storey dwellings. Um, it's noted we have just uh, recently been uh, made aware that the um, of the demolition of the bungalow and garage, uh, and therefore we have. Um, amended the description of the development. This wouldn't be set out in your committee report, but we just wanted to make you aware of that at the beginning. Um, the application um, amends the previously uh, approved planning application for two dwellings on the site, approved by the planning committee on the 14th of February, 2018. Uh, the amendment includes the introduction of a single-storey addition to the rear of the properties and extending the front two-storey gable to provide uh, internal garage. There have been a number of objections received as set out in section 9.2 of the committee report. Further three objections have been received post-publishing of the committee report. The further three objections do not raise any further issues that have already been considered in the committee report. Um, this 
drawing shows the previously approved scheme, which, just, uh, which was approved on the site in 2018 of the two dwellings. Below that uh, street scene are the proposed dwellings to show you the difference uh, in the two different uh, types of proposals. Uh, this uh, is the proposed front elevation of the uh, development and, and rear to the bottom of the slide. Uh, these show the proposed side elevations. Uh, it's also shaded in red which, what is the amendment to the application. So the two-storey front extension to the gable uh, and a single-storey rear element Uh, the proposed floor plans show the uh, amendments uh, shaded in red, again showing the extension to the front and single-storey extension to the rear. Uh, the proposed amendments to the original uh, planning approval is not considered to re result in any overdevelopment of the site or introduction of built form that will be out of character with the surrounding area or street scene. The proposed amendment will not result in any increase or loss of light uh, or overshadowing to the uh, neighbouring properties. Uh, it's considered uh, that um, appropriate parking is provided in accordance with local parking standards. No objections have been made by the highway authority. The proposal does not result in any harm to ecology. No objections have been made by the ecology officer. Taking into consideration the details set out in the committee report, the application is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, we have two public speakers, um, Councillor Sell and Mr Ranger. Um, Councillor Sell, if you'd like to come and speak. It's um, a public speaker. Um, what I will say is Councillor Sell stepped in um, at the last moment to substitute today. So um, once he's spoken, the public speakers have spoke, both spoken, he will be withdrawing and not taking any, any part in this um, planning, further with his planning application. If I may, Madam Chairman, when Councillor Sell has spoken, he's at liberty to remain in the room to listen to the other public speakers, but would he be kind enough to sit in the public speaking seating area while he does so? Thank you, Madam Chair. I had originally put forward my intention to... You need to, to... put the microphone on. Yes, yeah, the red Just... light's on. Is the red light on? Yeah, I had signaled my intention of, of speaking, but then, uh, because of Councillor Lockton's illness, I'm on the committee. So, um, I, I have signified my interest as a member of and I have been contacted by neighbours to this property, and they've asked me to read out, with your agreement, Madam Chair, a statement that they would like put before members... Uh, I am one of the ward members for this area, so I know St John's Crescent very well. I went past the property this morning, the site this morning. Anyway, the two neighbours um, at number 18 at number 13 St John's Crescent say that they had a meeting with the planning officer on the 31st of May where we asked numerous questions and were given assurances 
that they would be answered swiftly. Unfortunately, despite several attempts at making contact, we still await those answers. Firstly, as already stated in our online response, we still need to know how close the proposed building is to the boundary of number 18. When we looked at the plans with Mr Tyler, he agreed it looked very close, possibly less than a metre. If it is, then we were sure that this would not be allowed. What is the exact measurement, please? No one has yet answered this question, and thus we strongly object to this application being granted when this major concern has not been resolved. Secondly, why has the single storey at the back of the proposed dwelling nearest to the boundary of number 18 not been moved to the other side of the house, away from the boundary? The original plans of autumn 2017 showed two houses as mirror images of each other. If these plans are just additions to the original, why are they no longer mirror images? This was a matter discussed with Mr Tyler on the 31st of May. He assured us that everything would be done to minimise the impact of these houses on us. And he agreed that moving the added extension was a very good idea and one he would pursue. If it were moved, it would only be backing onto another brick wall of the second house rather than towering over number 18's outdoor decking area and lounge window. Both the current and previous recommendations for approval acknowledge the overlooking and lack of privacy to number 18, but consider that the property has a large garden area and includes sufficient private amenity space. Does Huddersfield District Council now decide how we use and alter our amenity space to meet planning approvals next door? We have pointed out on numerous occasions that most of the large garden sits to the front of the property, hence the decking is in the only place it can be, but this has been ignored. Thirdly, while the bathroom windows facing number 18 are to be frosted, there is no fixing of them in the closed position. This was suggested by the planning officer at a meeting in May, but this is not on the amended plans or in the conditions proposed. We invited both planning officer and developer to come and look at the proposed buildings from number 18's perspective, but this has not been done. We understand that the recommendations to approve the plans had already been made by the deadline for comments, 7th of August. Were all comments taken into account or even read? And they feel, and I have been in correspondence with the residents and, and numerous correspondents, they do feel they've been let down in the process. Um, we've been asked for comments, they say, and questions, but not given any answers. We were given our assurances on our 31st of May meeting, and these have not been upheld. With regards to the single-storey extension, as a garage is now to be integral to the original building, we were led to believe that a clause would be added to prevent any further permitted development rights. This has not been included. Indeed, these rights have been quoted as the reason the extension can now be built. 
How can permitted development rights be the reason why extension goes on a building which has not even been built? The parish council, as I've said I'm a member of, have been very helpful to us, objected to the original application as it did not comply with UDC policy requirements and again to this one for similar reasons. Just to conclude, these are the residents' words, not mine, I should stress. Thank you for the opportunity to present to you very strong reasons why the application should not be approved and we urge the planning committee to look more closely at the plans and the site where these houses would be built. Uh, I conclude on that, Madam Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Sell. Mr Ranger. Thank you, Madam Chair. Good afternoon, members. Um, taking Councillor Sell's points first, um, he's called it in because he feels it's an overdevelopment and out of keeping with the street scene. Um, taking that latter point first, there is an existing planning permission for two dwellings on this site. The external materials approved under that consent and the style of the dwellings uh, approved under that consent are replicated in this modified scheme. There can be no case, I would respectfully suggest, for saying it's out of keeping. The decision has already been made and it was found not to be so. With regard to overdevelopment, Mr Tyler's report in section B on pages 55 and 56 of the agenda papers gives extensive consideration to the proposal under policies Gen 2 and Gen 4 and finds the proposal compliant. Were the planning officer to have considered the site to be overdeveloped, he would have found that the proposal was not compliant with policies Gen 2 and Gen 4. Councillor Sell then went on to uh, put forward the objections or the concerns of some of the residents um, and particularly the uh, distance from the boundary. Uh, there is a general requirement that a building is a metre from the boundary. Um, that basically is for um, enabling people to circulate around the building, maintenance, etc., etc. Each of these buildings has two points of access, one down each flank. Um, if, you, if it's insisted upon a metre as being the uh, appropriate measurement at the boundary side of the adjoining neighbours, then, then that is acceptable um, and would, would not cause an issue. Going on then to the overshadowing um, uh, concern that was expressed, um, Mrs Morgie has written in and said she's concerned about overshadowing and overlooking, but this matter was dealt with during the determination of the previous application and the advice given in the Essex Design Guide was applied and, and found to be satisfied. In respect of the permitted development rights uh, query, one objector in their written response, and Councillor Sell actually um, brought that into uh, the statement he just made, they've misread my statement um, and infer that application is being made for permitted development before a building has been erected. My statement says, in reference to the existing consent, that approval did not remove permitted development rights. So it is conceivable that had those dwellings been erected, 
the rear extensions could be added via a prior approval application. This application is not a prior approval application, it's a full planning application. In the statement I dealt, that I submitted during the progress of this application, I dealt with the concerns aired by the Parish Council and by residents and also addressed questions raised by Mr Tyler. The vast majority of the concerns aired were the same as those aired and considered during the progress of application UTT 17-2807, which was ultimately approved by committee in February 2018. Planning consent exists for the erection of two dwellings. This application seeks to make minor modifications to the approved buildings after a considered review of the approved layouts by the new owners. This amended proposal provides an improved internal layout and utilises the space to more advantage, particularly so in the terms of storage capacity. The revised proposals satisfy all relevant planning policies. Mr Tyler's report diligently interrogates all of the concerns expressed during the consultation period and assesses them against the relevant policies. Accordingly, his recommendation is for consent to be granted, subject to conditions, all of which are necessary and appropriate, particularly bearing in mind concerns raised by committee members last time, some of whom are on the committee again today, Condition 3, Accessible Dwellings, and Conditions 4 and 7, Construction Management. With the extent permission holding significant weight and with the proposed amendments being policy compliant, I would ask members to agree with Mr Tyler's recommendation and to grant conditional consent. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr Ranger. I'll just say that Councillor Sell is now leaving the room. Open it up to um, discussion. Councillor LeCount. Uh, my first question is, uh, what's the difference in the size? Because basically, the bungalows have gone, and they can build some new two new houses. So what's the difference between what was planned and what they're now planning now? That's the first question. Second question is, uh, the garage, I see, has been increased from what to what? Thank you. Uh, so the um, proposed extensions are outlined in red. So if you can imagine the, um, that the red shaded areas aren't there, yep. that's what it was like at the previous uh, planning permission, uh, which was approved. Percentage-wise? Um, Just roughly. Uh, 10, 15%? 15%, okay. yeah. Um, and it also includes now, obviously, uh, an internal garage. Okay. Mr. Ranger. Second question. Sorry, just Mr. Can answer. He can Sorry, answer. Okay, yes. Okay, it's okay. Just. Okay, that's fantastic. So, what's the increase in the garage? It's gone from. So previously, yeah, previously it wasn't a garage. It was just a, a downstairs habitable room. Um, and the, the introduction uh, of a garage have uh, reconfigured um, the downstairs uh, and extended it to, to bring in that, um, that garage to the front of the site. Thank you. Anybody else? Councillor Bagnall, and then Councillor Gerald. Just to help me understand this one a bit, I've, I've heard something that says they were originally showing us side to side and they're now showing differently so 
Is, is that... I, I can't find the previous approval, but was the previous approval prior to this application the two properties adjacent to each other, like mirror images, or to help me understand what the real change is? Because I'm hearing words, but I'm not seeing it in the diagrams. Yes, so the, the, the top street scene was the previous uh, approval. Um, the, to, to below that is what is proposed now. From, because that's a front section, you can't see the extensions. Uh, so uh, when you look to the side elevations, you can clearly see what the proposed extensions to the property are going to be. But previously, they were uh, side by side. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chris, could you go down one slide to the floor plan? Yeah. So, am I just, just, just to clarify, the previous approved application was the, were the plans excluding the red shaded area, and the current application it adds the red areas. So, that's correct, yes? That's right. So, we're just talking about an extra slice at the front uh, on the left-hand side for, to accommodate a car yes. into a garage that previously was habitable room. Yes. And at the back, it's an added block, which one could argue is, would be allowed under permitted development rights. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. And then on the right-hand side, it's just, again, another little slice there to make that room a habitable room. Yeah. So... You've lost a habitable room there, but you've gained it on the other house, and you've accommodated... Oh, sorry, this is the upstairs? Yes. Oh, these are both the same? Okay, that's the upstairs part. I see, fine. So both, both houses have the same added amounts? Fine. But so the issue here for me is the, there is an issue of an added bulk, but the question I'd like to ask you is, this, is, this could be permitted development, could it not? Uh, the, definitely the single-storey uh, element could be uh, permitted development. The front, no. Um, uh, but we're, we're considering that, that small um, addition to the front. And just if I may, one more question. There was a, there was a comment made by, uh, I believe, the Parish Council. Just to clarify, if you can, the Parish Council claim that garages don't meet parking standards. In your report, you mentioned that it does comply with um, Uttlesford residential parking standards. Just confirm for me, please, where, where we stand on, on the car parking? Uh, the car park size, car parking size for the garage is not in um, accordance with the Essex um, proposed parking sizes. Uh, however, there is additional parking to the front of the site. There's, um, if I go back, there's three parking spaces to the front of the site which gives um, parking which would be in accordance with our parking standards. Councillor Stora, and then Bagman. Thank you, Chair. Given that permitted development rights seem to be playing uh, quite a part in this discussion, a uh, question for the officers. If... Um, the committee were minded to approve this application. Would there be any merit in introducing uh, or removing the permit, permitted development rights from it? 
Uh, That could be done by condition. Um, It's it's not unusual. Uh, But I think you would be looking at it normally if it was a restricted sized garden or if you felt that something was going to impact neighbouring properties. Future extensions may impact neighbouring properties. So I, I think it would be something you would need to think about. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, yeah, just one question on the garage. So, what, if if we're sort of if we're looking at this and making sure that people build things in the right uh, size, style, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, why are we allowing a garage that is substandard in its size? I think you'll find that a lot of the design stuff is very tight anyway. To allow something that's less than the design standard seems ludicrous. I think substandard is is a bit. I mean, don't forget this is an additional parking space. If, if we were talking about the requirement for free parking spaces and two of them, you had two spaces and you're relying upon this garage as the third parking space, you're absolutely right. That would be a substandard parking space that we'll be counting. We have three car parking spaces here plus a garage, substandard or not, and so therefore it doesn't affect the parking. We wouldn't normally use this as the solution to the parking issue, but obviously in this particular issue, in terms of moving it forward, the provision of a, of a, of a, a garage space, um, whether they use that for parking a car in is immaterial, to be honest, because you have free car parking spaces along the front. So we would, we would not be advocating this if we were relying upon this as one of the required parking spaces. I think the fact you've got three spaces can be provided. Can, can you tell me how how it doesn't meet the standard. In what way? Is it width or is it length of the garage? I believe it's length. So normally... How far short is it of the required length? If I remember rightly, it's it's not that much shorter than it should be. So it should be three by seven metres as a a standard. So what is it now? I I can measure... The the, the reason I'm asking is because if you were to extend that garage to the correct dimensions, you would potentially knock out two of the other parking spaces so I'm just I'm just it looks very tight and I, I hear the residents concerns and I hear about the meter and whether that's allowable or not but it's, it strikes me as though it is that they say overdevelopment and it sort of feels a bit like that because I can see if I brought the the garage forward a bit, I'd lose two car parking spaces, according to... The, but you would scale. require planning permission to do that? Sorry? You would require planning permission to, to do, do that? To do what? To extend the garage forward? No, no. I'm talking about it should be forward to meet design principles. So if you did the drawing properly and you had the garage in its correct location, you would only have a garage and one parking space because of the size of the space you would have left behind in front of the garage wouldn't be sufficient for the two cars that you've currently got there. Is that drawing not to scale? This one? Yes, 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 yes. So how would you lose two parking spaces? The point I'm making is the garage is drawn to scale but it's short of the design standard. So if it met the design standard it would be bigger on the drawing. It would be, but I, I must also add that the drawing has been done correctly and the drawing, you know, it is, it is a below standard garage space and so all you're looking at is we're free additional parking space, we're free, the free parking spaces along the front. So if it was built in accordance with this, which it would do, then that garage would be that size and so you'll still have the free spaces. 
If they were wanted to push for a fourth car parking spaces and wanted it to be within their standards, then they would have to apply for planning permission for that. But by, by doing that, you're quite right, they will be actually providing one space and you would potentially be losing two spaces. But that's not in front of us today. But that's not in front of us today. So what you've got at the moment is three spaces plus an extra space for a garage that's below the standard, but it's not relying on that as parking. And that is to scale. So if it was built to scale, you'll still have the three spaces along the front. But, we're, we, but we are potentially going to let something come through that doesn't meet design standards in terms of the garage. Um, we're not because this is a piece of like, this is not relying upon the garage as a parking space to be in accordance with the standards. It's an additional space. Um, it's so an it additional might not space. Be a garage at all. So I would prefer. Th- I, yeah, it might not be a garage at all. But I, to be honest with you, it's immaterial to me, and I would have preferred the applicant not to draw a flipping car in it to show that it was a garage. So. <laughs> Note to agent. <laughs> Councillor Keaton. Well, it was just my, one minor item. I picked up on the uh, residents or the neighbours' um, comments about not uh, asking for a fixed uh, window for the, the bathroom, which... Oh, overlooks the adjacent garden. I mean, is there any reason why we can't do that or shouldn't do that? Because it does seem to me that the problem is one of overlooking rather than overshadowing uh, the adjacent property. And if that is a, 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 it seems to me a reasonable request um, and therefore I just want to know if there is a technical reason why you can't do that. Could I ask a question? Was that in the original? The, uh, there wasn't a condition for fixture. For the window? Uh, Was the window in the original application? Yes, I believe so. And okay. it would have been obscured. Uh, we probably wouldn't have used a condition for fixture, but it, it's not an unreasonable condition if you wanted to add it on. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, can I just... Sorry, I'd just like to ask... I mean. Um, having put a bathroom window in myself that there was a condition for the size of the opening so you know the size of an opening you'd have to be sort of hanging out and you know it's up there at my height and hanging out I I get I get the overlooking but if it's if it's frosted glass and it's the size of a small opening how much are you overlooking I, I just wonder I yeah, so you, you can you can put a condition on which goes beyond just black and white. It's fixture or it's not fixture. You can have a condition which which has it about heights and stuff like that yeah. for that very reason, because this can have a knock-on effect for building regulations. Because I mean, um, it's not our problem moving forward, but it, you know, but thinking it all the way through. If this was approved fixed shut then under building regulations, there'll have to be some sort of ventilation system put in. Um, so so you're, what you've just come up with is a way forward in terms of you can have a wording of a condition that says it's it's not not opening, but it's not opening at a high, high... I don't know what type of windows these are. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, you, yeah. High opening windows. Is, and there is a standard wording of that condition, which means they're allowed to be opened. And if you re- to be honest with you, in all these properties, if you really wanted to be nosy, you could... But it's, it's incidental looking out of windows and stuff, so therefore the, you can open the windows, there's no reason why you shouldn't, but it's done in such a way that it doesn't result in overlooking. Can I just request that that's put in, yeah. please? Thanks. Is there, 
Does anybody else like? So can we take this to a proposal? Sorry. Oh, sorry, Sir Freeman. Apologies. I'm still here. Uh, can I suggest that if we uh, do grant consent for this, that we we do remove permitted development rights. Of course, all that means is that the owner has to come back with an actual planning application. Uh, and both these dwellings are tightly fit, uh, tight fit against their boundaries. So I can understand the issues that some of the uh, existing um, neighbours have already. So that's one thing. The other thing is that my colleague here was asking, I don't know the answer, is it not convention to have two dwellings like this which are identical? to be mirror images of each other? Is that a convention or is it... Because these aren't, obviously, they're the same. No, there isn't, really, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, removal of permitted development rights, I suggest. Yeah, I mean, I would just like to propose that we approve this subject to the conditions that we've uh, requested. Councillor Lemonson. Okay, therefore, um, Councillor Gerard uh, proposed, Councillor Lemons seconded to approve this pro pro proposition, sorry, my, um, to vote. Therefore, all those in favour? Subject, sorry, yep. again, I forgot to say that. Subject to conditions. Unanimous, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Madam Chairman, I must leave the room now. We'll send Geoffrey when you wait. <laughs> Madam Chairman, can you recall that... Madam Chairman, can you recall that Councillor Freeman leaves the room as well? Of course, yeah. Yes. Um, Councillor Gerard and Freeman are just leaving the meeting. Before the next item, and Councillor Sell will be joining us. Rejoining us. Thank you, Chair. The site relates to a large uh, outbuilding located between 22 and 26 Faxford Road in Saffron Walden. 
to the rear of the site is a large uh, amenity area, mainly bound by fencing. Uh, the outbuilding has been removed due to structural and safety issues. This application is for the re retrospective removal of the existing uh, outbuilding and proposed erection of a single dwelling. Uh, a new access parking and turning area uh, will be provided uh, through the undercroft between 26 and 28 Faxard Road, as shown on the plan. Um, the dwelling will be a terrace property, two storeys to the front of the site and three storeys to the rear of the site. The development of the site uh, was refused on the 4th of June of this year due to inappropriate size of garden and parking provisions. This application sets out to resolve these matters. No objections have been made by the Town Council. Two objections have been made by neighbouring properties and are considered in the committee report. Uh, the first slide shows the existing floor plans of the outbuilding and the proposed site. Uh, the next slide shows the uh, existing um, elevations of the site. Uh, these photos, uh, the first photo at the top, um, on the uh, top is the view from Faxard Road, and you can just see the previously um, demolished outbuilding between the two buildings. Um, the other views are of the site to the rear uh, and the pro proposed um, undercroft access. Uh, this photo, uh, sorry, this uh, slide shows the proposed elevations. So we have two storeys to the front of the site along Faxard Road, three storeys to the rear of the site. Uh, the photo demonstrates the neighbouring property of um, Long Row Close, which the uh, character of the, and design of the proposed wedding looks to be compatible with. Uh, the next uh, slide are the proposed floor plans, uh, demonstrating the proposed layout of uh, uh, each floor level. Uh, sorry, the, <laughs> the proposed uh, design, scale and form of the dwelling is in character with the surrounding area of Faxard Road. The external materials will be compatible with the uh, street scene. Uh, the proposal will not result in any loss of privacy, overlooking loss of light to neighbouring properties. Um, access will be provided uh, through the undercroft between 26 and 28 Faxard Road. Uh, will pro provide appropriate street parking and turning area. No objections have been made by the Highways Authority. Uh, appropriate garden of 100 square metres is provided to the rear of the site in accordance with the Essex Design Guide. No objections have been raised in regard to uh, ecology, air quality or contamination subject to conditions which would be included if approved. Um, taking into consideration the details set out in the committee report, the proposal is recommended for approval subject to conditions. Thank you very much. We have two speakers. Um, um, first speaker is Mr. Jeremy Dale. No, we haven't. Well, we have. We have. Just Miss Perry, Mrs. Perry, Mrs. Perry. Yes, sorry. Yes, please do. So we only, so we only have one speaker then. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll open it up to um, the committee then. Any questions or discussion? Any? Yes, Councillor Lacount. How close is this drive to these two houses that I can see in the drawing here? That's yes. Undercroft. It's what? Undercroft. What does, that, what does that mean? Uh, photo. Give us your, show us the photo. There, that. See on the right hand. I see. Right. Okay. Yes. So the sorry. The um, that is the existing under. Sorry. The existing undercroft, uh, which uh, provides parking for this uh, number of. I think there's flats, possibly in this site here. Um, it will share that um, undercroft access from the main highway which will take you down to the um, parking area to the rear. Anybody else? Councillor Bagnall. Just so that I can understand what's actually being applied for. Is it, so I've got the picture in the, the slideshow that came through. Is it a case of a property being built between these two walls? So one is the wall of the undercroft, and one is the wall of the property with the door there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the top, top, top left. Yeah. So the proposal is to build a dwelling between these two walls and use the undercroft as access to parking at the rear. So they just can have a door at the front of the property. Okay, so I can see they've got a parking issue already by the picture. Okay, all right, I just wanted to understand, make sure I'd understood that correctly. Anybody else? Councillor Pavitt. Just a quick thing on, on the history of, of the site. Um, I noticed it says the Retrospective Planning Commission, blah, 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 uh, one dwelling access, refused due to restrictive scale of garden and insufficient street parking. It would seem the insufficient street parking issue has been resolved, but has the garden issue been resolved? Yes, previously I believe it was um, because it's a free um, dwelling property, they would require 100 square metres of, uh, in accordance with the Essex Design Guide. Now they have put forward 100 square metres, so it is in accordance. I think I need to. Does anybody else want to say anything? I think I need a proposal then, or some sort of proposal. Councillor Reeve? I'll, I'll take Councillor Sutton. Councillor Sutton? Seconded. Therefore, um, this, uh, take this matter, this proposal, um, proposed by Councillor Reeve, seconded by Councillor Sutton, to approve this proposal. Can I take a vote on that, please? Unanimous again, Madam Chair. Thank you very much.
Um, can we get Anthony and yes. uh, someone's going to help you? Could Mr. Ranger, are you going downstairs? Thanks very much. Oh. Right, there we go. Um, item, nine, item 8, UTT 163565, the land west of Bonington Farm at Station Road, Hatfield Broadock. And that's over to you, Mr Brown. Thank you, Chairman. I've spotted the mistake in the suggested refusal reasons. I don't want to take Councillor Bagdon's. Um, but one thing I was going to do an update for was obviously one thing, and I know that ironically at the discussion at the meeting there was quite a lot of ones of there was initially a, a requirement to defer the matter to wait for the Gladman's decision to catch up, um, which in the general scheme of things was quite reasonable, but we can't do that in reality because the Gladman's decision could still be waiting for it. Ironically, since the decision to refuse planning committee, by the planning committee, um, we have received the Gladman's decision, and uh, this is a material planning consideration moving forward. Um, it basically makes it's very rare that a decision on one application actually dismisses another one at the same time. Um, we could not have predicted that in dismissing the Gladman's application. On, in Great Canfield, it would at the same time raise issues about an existing application. Um, it basically raises quite clearly the Flitch Way as, as a very, very clear boundary, albeit man-made boundary, it's a boundary between um, Tate Clear and Priors Green, Little Canfield and, and the countryside. Um, so I would say that had members moved to approve the application at the last committee, we would not have issued a decision. We would have come back to you and told you. We wouldn't have issued a decision because it was a 106 package anyway. This is a clear material planning consideration which would have changed the view of officers. It was a very balanced, -ish, balanced report to planning committee. Members considered it moving forward and refused it. So this gives us very much clarity and it actually gives us a little bit more power to our elbow to the point that I think if the appellant got to the point of... If the applicant in this application put forward a, an appeal... I think we would strongly go for costs because it's quite clearly the flitch way is written, but we'll see where that takes it. Moving all forward in terms of the suggested refusal reason, the reason why we're here was because it was, it was, it was, the, the matter was refused, subject to the refusal reason coming back. Um, I've just spotted on, well, on, on uh, refusal reason one, it doesn't mention the flitch way, 
And I think in terms of Councillor Bagnall's, <laughs> Councillor Bagnall's, if I recall, it is, I think Councillor Bagnall was the proposer. He quite clearly meant, I, I, we had an exchange about whether you wanted the Flitchway to be included. Quite clearly it needs to be. Um, it clearly has to definitely be included now because the inspector on the Glabbins decision has made it. So what I was saying, the proposed would result in an urbanisation of the rural character, result in an adverse harm to the openness character and intrinsic beauty of the countryside. I would say including the breaching of the the Flitch Way as a boundary between um, the existing development and, and, and um, other developments. The inspector's decision moving on it also helps in terms of saying the only reason it's been breached on the Station Road is by t for Takeley Park and quite clearly reasons out why Takeley Park is an exception. And uh, so I think it helps, helps a lot. And so... Um, and obviously, hopefully, in condition, the refusal reason two clarifies my stumbling way of trying to explain to Councillor Bagnall at the last meeting what we're trying to achieve, because obviously we also need to make sure we secure the Section 106 package at the appeal. It usually falls away, because usually there's a unilateral undertaking provided at the appeal, although I would hope there wouldn't be an appeal in this case. So my recommendation is to pick those refusal up subject to that addition regarding the Flitch, Flitch way. Councillor Bagg. I've got some questions because I made some notes of reasons for refusal and I just want to double check that I've got the same one as you. Uh, and I can see that MPPF paragraph 17C is in there, but MPPF paragraph 109 around cumulative effect in terms of access, Gem 1, traffic, I think that was called out as one of the reasons for objecting, so that's not in here. Um, I've got SA, which is, whilst it's not in the CPZ, it borders the CPZ. So there's a policy, I believe, SA, which is harm to the CPZ. I don't know if that's appropriate for in here, but um, that's something I've picked up. And I've also got EMV5, which is around protection of the agricultural land. And I've got SP10 and C1. And now some of these you might disagree with, Mr Brown, so I'm more than happy to uh, have that debate. Um, and one question I had was, why was it H9? Right. <laughs> um, the community impact in terms of highways, I can understand where you're coming from there. The, the Glabbers decision also put to bed the highway issue regarding... No, a different area. You, can, you, can't, you, can't, you can't say that Gladden has put highways to bed for Bonningtons. You can't say that. So Bonningtons is, is a different road, uh, and it, but it does approach the, the four ashes, so I don't necessarily agree that that puts it to bed. So I think you have to look at cumulative impact of uh, development on the four ashes. Uh, so for that reason, I'd want to keep that in. I see you've got Gen 1, which is access anyway, I just want to make sure it gets right. If it goes to an appeal, I don't want to be I don't want to be fighting for the wrong reasons and miss the opportunity to fight for the right reasons. Yeah, I also want to we've got very much the moral high ground in terms of refusing this now. Yeah. And the last thing we want to do is add stuff that starts tarnishing us. I'm not saying what you I'm not saying what you just said. Already, haven't we? You, yeah. yeah. Not for refusing it now. We've refused it. This is just Yeah, but we are still yeah, yeah, reasons. but no, no, what I meant, yeah. councillor, was 
we are refusing it today because you've resolved to refuse it and you know we haven't refused it yet because we haven't got the refusal reasons but it will be right. refused today yeah. and so and I'm not saying what you've suggested necessarily tarnishes us in terms of moving, in terms of weakening our case and I think the cumulative impact is a fair enough thing uh, it's, it's, it's married up because okay. I think some of the issues regarding the Gladman site is clearly there was highway solutions there but those highway solutions in themselves was actually causing more of a harm in terms of the the character of the area. So I think adding the, seek, the, add, adding the 109 bit is yeah. fair enough. We can do that. Okay. Um, the site is not in the CPZ. Um, the big question is, I can't recall whether or not the Gladman site was in the CPZ. Uh, no, but it, it, I think Gladman's was... I think it was outside the CPZ. Because, I mean, the word... Um, in terms of the sorry, the appeal, I mean, the, the appeal decision says, in the context, the appeal site does not reflect an edge of settlement character. It is divorced, divorced from the urban areas and represents a countryside extension of the CPZ, which in my mind implies it's not in the CPZ, it's extending the function of the CPZ yeah. going forward. And so, picking up your point, we could run that argument again. Okay. Because, so, yeah, so I think, so, so picking up SA, we can actually weave that into it as well. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, I think that's picked up the cases you raised. Oh, yeah, H9 is mentioned yeah. specifically because of the... Um, that's in the context of the affordable housing policy. So, technically speaking, I don't... This is I a, couldn't understand why we added it if we were refusing it for... Yeah, it's, it's, a, very, it's, a, <laughs> it's very counterintuitive, but by refusing it, um, if, we get to the, if we get to an appeal, we would have to ensure we got the 106 package in place. And so, we, therefore, there has to be a policy basis. What this would actually be addressed at the appeal by by the appellant coming forward with a section 106 package. But we could actually argue, well, actually, there's no requirement for any of this because you haven't refused it for these reasons. So, it's it's making sure we get it, and that's why H9 is there because that carries the affordable housing. Okay. Can I just check process? Just one last bit. So, in terms of after this event, what happens in terms of the applicant? They will be notified we issue given a the reasons. Do they get the opportunity to revisit or do we just leave it up to them to decide? We leave it up to them. So basically we will issue a refusal notice. And we won't approach the applicant in any way, shape or form there's no apart reason. from sending them a in, refusal notice. In this case, there's no reason to approach the applicant whatsoever. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, in this case, it's an application that's been roundly refused by members. And to be honest with you, had members approved it, we would have come back and said the, the Gladman's decision is so significant that we would have actually changed their recommendation. Okay. So, so I think so. We, there's no approach. It's not something they're trying to approach us. And if they approach us, we will say don't travel at all, basically, to right. be honest with you, because it's, it's quite often. Okay. Happy with that. Councillor Reeve. Yeah, thank you. Um, three points, including a question. Um, Will your statement about the uh, Gladman uh, and you would have come back, will that be minuted um, as... Yeah, will that be minuted as a part of this uh, meeting? The, re the reason for asking is that um, it's hard, you know, when you're making these judgments and having this discussion, and again, thinking back to the quite hard discussion we had, uh, it's hard to know what you would do in advance in certain situations. So, uh, uh, trying to sort of understand that process. 
I, I said it, so it'll be minuted, okay. to be really honest, because it is a significant issue. Um, it's a very strange situation that you have that situation where an appeal decision is so damning of another case. Okay, good. That was very clear, and you described it very clearly. Now, having said that, uh, will there be reference to that Gladman case in the reasons for this rejection? Will there be a, a coupling of that? Because in the depths of time as it goes forward, um, how does that work? I don't, I don't think you, would catch, you, would, you wouldn't capture another, refu another appeal decision as part of it. It will be part of our case. I would, I would suggest that if we had an appeal, right. we would put it forward as an e appeal e as part of our case. Even though it was sort of mentioned in that uh, uh, yeah. appeal report. It's a material planning consideration in taking into account the decision. Um, and I would argue that the members probably didn't need the Gladman's decision to make that decision. Uh, but the fact is, the and but the fact is, but it, it will certainly be at the centre to of our case when we put forward if we had an appeal. I was just going to amplify that. Uh, certainly, were the applicant to appeal against this decision, we would refer to the Gladman's decision. But there is no doctrine of binding precedent in planning matters. Thank you. And of course, being the novice in the school here. Uh, the last point, the same really, and that's in point two of the reasons. You give a, the list of all the things that are not uh, being achieved. Why is, why is that? I, I couldn't really understand the logic of that being a reason for uh, rejection, but I'm obviously missing something. Well, no, it's, 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 a, it's, yeah. it's, it's a difficult one to explain, but it's, it's to ensure that as part of any appeal, we still secure the section 106, because at the moment... As, as opposed to, if we had just added the appeal without that refusal reason, we would argue about the substantive case, and then we would have to argue about the section 106 through the back door. So it's quite clearly up front. And also, from an appellant's viewpoint, they would put forward a UU that, or, or agree a section 106 discussion covering those points. It's just a mop-up to make sure we get the infrastructure. There is no 106 at the moment. That's the issue. There is no because we've refused, we've refused planning permission. So therefore, there is no section 106. So when we get to an appeal process, there is no 106 still. And the rules when we're dealing with an appeal, an inspector will require a section 106 to be in place at the point. And it, it, this would likely go to a public inquiry if it went to appeal. And therefore, the section 106 would have to be in place before the end of the inquiry. The mechanism is the lack of 106. It seems totally clear to everybody, but still not to me. But I'll go away and do my homework. Yeah. Thank you very it's much. It's a very, very difficult thing to explain. It's just a matter of practice. I'm happy to propose that we um, refuse the application uh, with the reasons cited. I think we do. I mean, we need a formal uh, vote to accept the chief officer's recommendation. And the additional matters that Councillor Bagnall raised as well regarding uh, Para 109. Councillor Bagnall, you're proposing? Yeah, I'll propose that. And, and, that's, that's good, would, yeah. recommend, uh, recommend. Seconding, sorry. Seconding the confirmation. Seconding the confirmation, yes. And then they have to vote. Yes, I mean. yeah. So, therefore, we have... It, it, 
um, proposed and seconded, and the proposal to, um, to I'll take it to the vote. Yes. Sorry, I was, I was going to try and go through all the things, and I thought I can't remember them, <laughs> so I'm not going to try. Thank you. Accept the recommendation. Thank you very much. Um, so, all those in favour? We're doing well. Are you unanimous again? <laughs> Thank you very much. Item 9. Thank you. That's okay. Um, UTT 183529, Land South of Braintree Road and Felsted. Over to you, Nigel. Thank you, Chairman. This, this is a very... I, sh I should add the backdrop to all this is the planning inspectorate seems to be moving much more quicker than they've done for years and years and years and so in terms of the amount of appeals coming forward and moving on. Um, to record, to, to uh, remind members, this application was, was brought to this committee last month and members resolved to defer it, uh, the reasons being in light of the emerging neighbourhood plan. Um, the applicant has um, exercised his right of appeal against non-determination um, because to put it bluntly, members declined to make a decision on it and added an outside date, which is probably, from his viewpoint, he's using his statutory right to force a decision by going to appeal. This is statutory right. As a local authority, we now need to decide how we're going to defend, if we're going to defend the appeal at all, because obviously officers do not know what members' view is of the application formally. Um, so the application was put forward, recommended for approval last time. So our recommendation remains to support the application. If you supported the application, nothing wrong with this at all, but if you supported the application, then our indication to the planning inspectorate is that we would not defend the appeal. Now, there will be a slight costs application against us on that basis, but not a lot because all the appellants done currently is filled in a form and submitted it to the inspectorate. Um, um, and then on that basis, the inspector can allow the appeal to carry on and chances are in terms of going to appeal or at the same time put an application in, again have another, have another stab and put the planning application in and see where he takes us or a combination of both. Obviously members have also have the right to decline the, to, to raise objections to the application. We are no longer, no longer the determining authority. Um, that it is outside the council's jurisdiction now, it is now with the planning inspectorate, so we've lost an element of control. But if members were mindful that they would refuse an application, I just need some sort of case put together how we want to defend it, because we shouldn't lose sight of the fact the application was extremely balanced in the first place. And so, so my angst was the lack of decision rather than where you were going to go with it. So we now have an appeal against non-determination. It is quite good that this happened immediately, because then members can just return back in terms of where they are. I have got all the necessary plans, but I don't intend to do the presentation again, um, so I will pick that up for points. We have speakers.
speakers in the room to pick up pick up the application moving forward um, and because we need to remind members because in terms of where we're going so at the moment my recommendation because the recommendation to approve it was to support the application and not to defend the appeal that's a planning advice there's no legal advice as a planning advice moving forward and then we pick it up the discussion where we left off last week, last month We have four speakers. Um, Councillor Day has stepped in for Councillor Evans. Um, Councillor Evans can't be here today, so um, Councillor Day is going to read out Councillor Evans' um, statement. And then. I've been sitting there two hours for this <laughs> and fail immediately. I'll start again. Chair, thank you. Um, good afternoon, members or fellow members and officers. As you've just heard, I am standing in because I am the ward councillor for uh, South Dunmo and Barnston, but uh, I've been selected as I am the nearest uh, ward member to Felstead, apparently. So, right, serious matters. Um, John Evans has uh, written what I am going to uh, uh, read out. So it is not me. It's me speaking, but it's not my words. John asks that you refuse this application on the grounds that it's incompatible and conflicts with the Felsted Neighbourhood Development Plan, which is presently, as you have heard, in Regulation 17 examination a process which commenced on the first of this month. The inspector has advised that he, he expects to provide his confidential draft report to the council and to Felsted Parish Council around late September. For checking if there are any factual errors contained in it and he is proceeding on the basis that an oral hearing is not necessary and has stated that no further representations may be made. The inspector has reported that he has not identified any fundamental flaws in the submission documents. He's been provided by UDC with particulars of the strategic policies of the local plan as they apply to Felsted neighbourhood plan area. UDC has no unresolved comments to make upon this. Regulation 16 consultation on the plan was undertaken as required. The applicant did make representations upon it at the last minute, in fact on the last permitted day for so doing which was namely the 24th of July this year. This was, perhaps by no coincidence, the very day when you sat in the event and decided to have defer consideration of this application. All Regulation 16 representations were commented, uh, were commented upon and responded to by Felsted Parish Council. As, as was required by the inspector on the 14th of August of this year. 
The Council supported the plan as it was submitted. I suggest that the support demonstrated by the Parish Council is, most in, is a most important factor in your consideration of this application and should of itself be accorded great weight. So the stage at which the neighbourhood plan stands is as follows. It has community support. It is legally compliant. It has been tested against the basic conditions and meets them. It has been the subject of Regulation 16 consultation. The responses to the consultation have been commented upon by Felsted Parish Council. Felsted Parish Council have approved the plan as submitted. The plan is on the desk of the inspector and awaits completion of his examination and submission of his report back to UDC. Accordingly, the only stages thereafter are the holding of a referendum, if approved, i.e. adoption. While the neighbourhood plan has not progressed through the very last three of the nine stages described, it can fairly and accurately be described as being at a very advanced stage. And so, I suggest great weight should be given to it. Paragraph 48 of the MPPF 2018 describes the weight to be given to emerging development plans, which of course includes neighbourhood plans. I am not proposing to read the text of this paragraph, but I wish to emphasise that it permits the LPA to give greater weight to such a plan when it is more advanced, the greater weight, and where there are objections, the extent to which they have been resolved, the greater the weight, and where there is a degree of consistency with the NPPF, the greater the weight. The officer uh, prepared her report giving the neighbourhood plan limited weight at a time when the neighbourhood plan was not as advanced as it is today. It had not then been consulted upon. Objections had yet to be made, let alone resolved as they had been thereafter. I submit that the greater weight described in these three tests is now present, individually, let alone cumulatively. At the date of the Marinello and Clifford Smith inspector's decisions, to which the officer refers, greater weight to the plan was not ascribed by the inspectors, who accorded it moderate and limited weight respectively. Their views in light of the progress of the plan in the stages described are no longer applicable. An inspector would now, I believe, ascribe the plan the greater weight called for in paragraph 48 of the MPPF. It goes without saying that once the outstanding stages are concluded, which I suggest would be the case if the application were refused and heard on appeal, then by that time it is very likely that the plan would have become made and considerations of weight would no longer be considered. 
I therefore invite you to accord the emerging Fausted Neighbourhood Plan great weight as provided for by the MPPF paragraph 48 and therefore reject the application as it is incompatible and, and conflicts with that plan. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Councillor Day. Would it be possible for you to email a copy of that letter to myself, Mr. Brown, and Ms. Mawson? Yes, I'll let you have a copy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Day. Um, Mr. Ram. Would, would you, yes, whichever way round, yes. <coughs> Councillor Freeman from Felsted Parish Council, you have five minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair. Good afternoon, Committee. Um, my name is Richard Freeman. I have been resident of Felsted for 37 years. I'm a Felsted Parish Councillor and Vice Chair of the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group. My colleague, Roy Ram, will speak in a moment with, with regard to the Neighbourhood Plan. I wish to speak regarding the specific site. This site is not supported by the Neighbourhood Plan or the submitted local plan for good reason. The Chief Officer's report says that if you do not support the proposal, then robust and defensible reasons should be given. Those robust and defensible reasons already exist. They were the very reasons for this committee's previous refusal, subsequently concurred by an appeal inspector. What would not be robust and defensible would be a total U-turn on that decision. The original application generated an astounding 205 letters of objection. That is equivalent to approximately 20% of the households in Felsted. Far more than any application I can recall in my 10 years on the Parish Council Planning Committee. Your reasons for refusal included outside development limits with intensification of build form harmful to the setting, character and appearance of the countryside, surrounding locality and Felsted conservation area which it abuts, and urbanising effect out of context with the existing patterns of development. The applicant then took this matter to appeal and the inspector agreed with you, dismissing the appeal. It was not the density of housing that the inspector objected to, it was the location and the elongated site with a single access point, exactly as now. He said, and this is word for word quote of the inspector, I therefore conclude that the proposed development would have a materially harmful impact on the character and appearance of the area by reason of its elongated and single access point layout at odds with the prevailing pattern of development within the settlement of Felsted and harm to openness and visual character of the countryside, which cannot be fully mitigated. He could not have been clearer. In 2018, UDC reassessed all Schlar sites and gave this site the lowest possible classification of E, that being, unquote, a site that would not contribute to sustainable patterns of development and is not considered developable or suitable for delivery within 15 years. So what on earth has changed? Very little. It is the same elongated site, same single access point and still in open countryside adjoining our conservation area. The applicant will no doubt suggest that all of the inspectors concerned are somehow miraculously addressed by a lower density of dwellings. 
but the inspector's concerns were the introduction of urban form at this location and the single access point. And I again quote him, rather than the ribbon short spur feature which is characteristic of the settlement of Felsted. And he concluded, given these conflicts, these adverse impacts should weigh very substantially in any planning balance. Robust and defensible reasons. With regard to the cumulative impact on Felsted, the local plan allocates 134 dwellings across, spread across 19 Type 8 villages up to 2033. Felsted has had 70 dwellings approved so far this year, including 23 affordable homes. Even with the additional 63 in our neighbourhood plan, which importantly, as I say, does not support this site, should you approve this application before you, it will be 100 approved for Felsted alone this year. At the current rate, Felsted is is on target to satisfy the local plan allocation for all 19 Type A villages up to 2033, all on its own, and unbelievably, in just a single year. If you need robust reasons for anything, should you approve this application, it will be to justify to Felsted how it can be defensible to completely overturn a previous refusal, which has been concurred by the Planning Inspectorate. There might be a shortfall in the UDC's five-year housing supply, but it is not justification for wrong decisions. Your reasons for refusal were robust and defensible before, and with an appeal inspector's endorsement, they remain robust and defensible now. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Freeman. Mr Ram. Madam Chair, Councillors, um, I have been the chair of the Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group for the last four and a half years, and I'm now also a Felstead Parish Councillor. Um, much of what I was going to say to you has been put in very, very clear, uh, and I think very straightforward legal terms by uh, Councillor Evans uh, in the submission that was presented by Councillor Day, and I thank him for that. I would just like to make a brief comment about the state of the neighbourhood plan and then to address two issues uh, that councillors raised at the previous meeting. The National Planning Policy Guide states that the government's policy intention for neighbourhood planning is for it to provide a powerful set of tools for local people to ensure they get the right types of development for their community whilst also planning positively to support strategic development needs and our plan does that. It delivers 63 homes. The senior UDC planning officers have confirmed that the Felstead neighbourhood plan is consistent with UDC planning policy and have supported the plan at regulations 14 and 16. Our plan is advanced. It has been with the examiner for 10 weeks. It completed the final six-week statutory consultation period a month ago. And importantly, it does not support the development of this site. The developer's claim of alignment with our plan is, as I said before, is fatuous. It is clearly not aligned with Para 5.4.19, which says parishioners have been unanimous in resisting further development, nor is it aligned with the site assessments that this site has been considered and roundly rejected. It is not consistent with the local plan. It is not plan-led. It is just simply led by... Uh, a commercial development appetite. 
Some members raised two issues when this plan was previously before the committee, and I would like to address those points. Affordable housing. The Felstead Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group recognised the need for housing, including affordable homes. In the last seven years, Felstead Parish Council and the Steering Group have commissioned two independent housing needs surveys. Following these surveys, the evidence is that affordable housing had been met in Felstead. And recent planning consents, as my colleague has just told you, have delivered a further 26 affordable homes. Against this background, the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan's challenge has been to meet the obligation to contribute to Uttlesford's wider strategic need for housing with our obligation to deliver Felsted's identified community priorities. Working with the full support of UDC planning officers and subject to independently assessed viability studies, the Felsted Neighbourhood Plan proposes to commute sufficient affordable housing on two sites to deliver amenities identified over many months of community engagement as priorities. On one, supported by the Clinical Commissioning Group, we will deliver a new doctor's surgery, and on the other, a safe drop-off, large parking area and secure recreation space for our primary school. The new doctor's surgery. Some members of this committee questioned whether a surgery would be supported by the Clinical Commissioning Group. To be 100% clear, both to meet the future needs of the existing community in Felsted and the growing demand for medical services from developments to the west of the parish, the Clinical Commissioning Group supports the development of a new larger surgery on the site at Berry Farm in Station Road. This site is also included in the UDC submitted local plan. The new surgery will meet the needs of over 6,000 patients without unduly contributing to the cumulative effect of congestion in the village centre. I have copies of the outline plans with me today should the committee wish to see them. Councillors, we have played by the rules here. We have supported UDC's strategic development needs and we now need you to support and protect Felstead and ensure we get just the right type of development for the residents of our community. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Mr. Ram. Mr. Wallbank. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Steve Wallbank of Go Planning Limited, the agents for the application at Land South Braintree Road, Felstead. The application is a joint venture between the landowner and a local house builder, Go Homes Limited. Our application was deferred at the 24th of July Planning Committee, pending the outcome of the emerging Felstead Neighbourhood Plan. The application had been the subject of two extensions of time which had been agreed with the local planning authority to allow the application to be reported to the committee with an officer's recommendation for approval. Therefore, the deferral following the chair's casting vote was disappointing. Having us an, an applicant been given no action points to respond to the indefinite deferment left no other course of action than to submit a planning appeal on the grounds of non-determination. No motion to refuse the application was made by any committee member at the earlier planning committee. However, a motion for approval was seconded, but due to the deferral motion, which was prior to this, the motion to approve was not voted on. Given the strong merits of the application, together with the shortfall in the district of around 1,300 houses to meet the required five-year housing supply, which currently stands at 3.29 years, together with a policy-compliant number of affordable housing, and the opportunity for early delivery with a shortened time frame for reserve matters application, 
The Committee's support for proposals to provide up to 30 dwellings should, in our opinion, have been forthcoming. The access point for the previous scheme of 55 dwellings, now significantly reduced for up to 30 dwellings, remains in the same location and is provided with more than the recommended sight lines in both directions. The application included a transport assessment which has been considered by the Highways Authority. The transport assessment included for wider transport growth in the surrounding area and the site has been tested at the larger capacity of up to 55 dwellings alongside the proposal for up to 750 dwellings at Chelmer Mead to the west of the village which is not now going ahead. This provides for a robust assessment of cumulative transport impact and shows the acceptability of the proposal. As has been outlined in your officer's report, any harm in granting the application is certainly not of a degree of significance as to outweigh the clear and significant benefits in relation to sustainable development which the proposal provides. Application of the tilted balance would have resulted in the benefits of the scheme outweighing the potential limited harm caused by the developments of a site well-connected to Felsted Village which will deliver well-designed and a sustainable development. We would urge you to approve the application without delay as recommended by your planning officer. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr Wallbank. Councillor Bagnall. Thank you, Chair. Um, I must say that when we first heard this, I was a bit, a bit nervous about the fact that we deferred it anyway. So, because uh, I had some concerns about the access, uh, and I felt the access needed to be reassessed, because my experience of walking uh, and then following the bus and driving down, that access in the position on the plan was more dangerous than the original access, which is currently used by the farmer. So I did have some concerns, but I've picked up a few things here. Which, so what we're talking about, this is an application for 30 houses uh, towards the five-year land supply. And then we've heard about the neighbourhood plan, which is, I believe, 63 houses towards the five-year land supply. And I think when we talk five-year land supply, we don't normally determine whether it's affordable or not. It's just houses. So it's what's contributing towards the five-year supply. Uh, and I think I also have to give some weight to the fact that we should be supporting neighbourhood plans. Uh, uh, otherwise, why are people yeah. going to spend the time to put these together? Um, so, I, I, and within that plan, you've got to give some weight to the fact that they're improving health facilities. I think they're improving the school parking situation as well. Um, but I think for me, the biggest weight goes to the fact that the, the scheme was previously... Uh, refused by the council and that was supported at appeal by the inspector for very good reasons uh, and for that reason I would propose that we refuse the application and we defend any appeal with those reasons. Can I just At last, we're talking about the scheme <laughs> and, and, and um, the, the, the application, just to clarify, and this is to assist you rather than to to argue with you, the, the original scheme, is this, that was the original scheme, which was, um, what was it, 50, 55 houses on that particular one. Um, that was rejected and the inspector dismissed it on grounds of um, urbanisation, impact on the countryside 
He also raised an issue about loss of agricultural land. I would really urge you not to go down that road because if you are going to approve houses where even the appropriate location, that includes in, in, the, in the land which the neighbourhood plans put forward. And that was a bit of a rogue bro comment. But the decision was because of the form of development, it provides an urbanisation of the area and it, its impact on the countryside. Very, very simple, to be honest. Um, the, the inspector did not have any issues regarding the access. He also did not have any access about the impact on the conservation area, but he did you know, soundly reject the application on grounds of his impact on the open countryside. So what we have now is an application for less houses, um, 30 houses, and the decision is, does that overcome the original reasons for refusal? Now, if members are of the view that it doesn't, then we can reject it for the same reasons. And as, as previously, I would suggest you don't go down the agricultural route. I would suggest you don't add the highway refusal reason. That's a difficult one to argue, because what we're doing here is not deciding an application. It's forming our case for the appeal moving forward. I have no problems if you want to add the neighbourhood plan as the emerging issue. But it is an emerging issue. And it, but I wouldn't want it to be the top line. I want it to be part of the proposal because if we're looking now at a, a written reps application, um, we're probably looking at a decision. Uh, 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 you know, we get a start date because the inspector are moving extremely quickly. I don't think I'll ever say that in my career, but they're moving extremely quickly, which means we could end up having to put a rep with with a date with a deadline of say either side of Christmas. I would suggest moving off towards the autumn and. It's gathering weight, because this is unfortunately not a discussion about the neighbourhood plan, but it's gained weight, it has gained more weight over the last four, four weeks since last time. So there is no problem adding the neighbourhood plan as part of that defence. Um, it would be criticised as not having, consider, not having sufficient weight. It's got weight, and it's getting more weight as we're carrying on. So I've got no issues regarding that whatsoever. I just don't want it to be the headline. So, can, can, sorry, before we finish, can I just double check on one of the points you raised? Because I thought I heard that the inspector had concerns about a single access way. So when you say there were no access issues, I believe the inspector called out the fact that there was a single access road and that was a concern. So I think access is a concern and it does need to be cited. Well, it's your gift to do that. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the starting point with us is that we have no objections from the highway... I'd, 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 I would definitely want to raise that as, uh, as a concern and that something that I would want to uh, call out as a reason for refusal, the access. Because I believe it is... Uh, I don't believe it's been assessed correctly and I would like to see it assessed correctly. Well, you know, my yeah. advice always, yeah, yeah. It's always going to be the same on highways issues. OK, thanks. Councillor Gerard, also... Thank you, Chair. At the, our previous meeting, when we uh, when we considered this item, um, I had considerable sympathy for the fact that the good people of Felster were producing this neighbourhood plan, and it could be, um, in fact, effectively just overcome by this application. And I put the question to Mr. Brown as to whether we could defer. On that basis, and he assured me, you know, he strongly recommended that we shouldn't, but we did. Now, here we are again, things have moved on quite significantly, I think, in those uh, few weeks. Things are now different. We face uh, an appeal 
and the neighborhood plan has progressed um, a short distance along its uh, route to being made. Now, I'm not, I would have to look at the wording in the framework again. I, personally, I'm not convinced that the neighborhood plan would merit a very great deal of weight, but it does merit more than it did four weeks ago. Um, however much it does, um, I, would, I would bow to our officer's view on that, but it has more weight. Uh, my views about the importance of neighbourhood plans remain and I also, on the basis of my experience, as well as Mr Brown's um, advice, would shy away from relying on agricultural land as the reason for refusal and whatever the inspectors said before, let's not go in the face of that. But the argument we have is impact upon the countryside and or landscape, whatever the wording is that we wish to um, go along with, I would certainly, given where we are and how we've got there, um, like to not propose, I can't do that, I can only second um, ref the decision that we would have refused uh, permission on this application. So I'd like to second Councillor Bagnell's proposal. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Okay, I was the one that proposed the original motion to defer this matter to where we are today. Um, now, as you know, um, I'm a big supporter of neighbourhood plans. However, I do understand that there is a variant uh, amount of weight that can be given to that, and it's not necessarily the sole issue here. However, we are a planning committee and we represent our local authority uh, in a quasi-judicial manner and it's our job to give weight to policy and the emerging neighbourhood plan carries weight and we have to decide how much weight. The emerging local plan carries weight and we have to decide that and our current local plan also carries weight, although we are told that because it is out of date and because we don't have a five-year supply that we revert to our tilted balance. Now, last time I thought that as a committee our tilted balance was pretty even. In fact, we were, and I certainly was, I felt, in a very, very sort of balanced opinion of where we are. Now, since then... There have been some material changes, material considerations, I believe. Um, S7 was, is to do with the countryside. And originally, when this application was first uh, rejected on, on our 55-house application, it was more dense. Uh, it was a different type of application. However, uh, protection of the countryside was stated. And I do think S7, I think, is an issue here. And we have subsequently had uh, a, um, a refusal... Uh, upheld on appeal uh, in, in uh, Great Canfield on S7 and even today we have been looking at something also on S7 as well and I think that we need to be consistent it's a policy that I believe uh, carries considerable weight um, and I believe that on the tilted balance and I do understand what some members believe we need to be giving focus on 
what the application delivers in terms of, of um, contributions, in terms of affordable homes, etc. However, the, the neighbourhood plan, which I believe carries considerable weight now, does offer 63 homes to our supply versus this 30 homes to our supply. Now, I believe that we should be consistent. I believe that the tilt of balance has changed and I will be supporting the motion to refuse. Thank you very much. Did you want to speak, Councillor Caton? Thank you. Um, as the person that proposed uh, approval uh, at the last uh, meeting but was kind of preempted by the deferment. I mean, I think I now have been preempted by the appeal process, and I see no value in arguing to approve the, the application um, against uh, what I think are very kind of persuasive uh, reasons. But I, I, I do still hold the feeling that we do need to be uh, considering um, the fact that we ha have not got a five-year land supply, we cannot continue to refuse everything that comes which is not perfect. Uh, and that was what we were in danger of getting into. I mean, this, this meeting is quite, quite a revelation to me because most of the applications that I've have heard whilst I've been a member of the planning committee, we've refused and we've refused quite strongly. But this meeting, we've obviously turned over a new leaf and we've actually approved more than we, we've uh, refused. And I don't want me uh, to uh, uh, stop this constructive kind of attitude. But I am happy to go along with the idea that we, go, we do give uh, strong reasons to refuse this application rather than, than fight a, a battle to get it approved at this stage. I think you, we have got a battle on our hands with uh, the, the inquiry, but I, I will go with, I'll be a Democrat and go with the majority on this. Councillor Reeve. Thank you. Uh, I think I'm going to suggest we start moving towards a vote because I'm going to be supporting uh, refusing uh, the application. Uh, and my reasons, I'm afraid I don't know the, all the, the correct uh, policy uh, um, numbers, but the points being the overdevelopment of the village, um, the Taipei village. Um, over the last five years where there's been uh, a good number of houses uh, already built. Um, uh, I don't think that this proposal overturns the objections to the previous one that lost the appeal uh, sufficiently. Uh, we still have 66% uh, of the, uh, the houses there and with the elongated site and the single access uh, issue uh, remaining. And then finally, the, for me, the uh, the, the, that weighting, albeit small, of the uh, neighbourhood plan uh, 
for me does carry weight and for that reason I'll be um, uh, support, supporting the refusal of the uh, uh... First of all just to remind members you're not refusing it you're, you are rejecting the application it's just, the, it is very I mean to be honest with you to pick up Councillor Caton's comments I don't think this is necessarily a difficult one to defend I don't know how it's going to go because in the context of the application this application, when it was dismissed at appeal previously, was almost the turning point of the five-year land supply. Those are the days when we were, uh, we were arguing whether we had a five-year land supply, and I think this one went on for days, literally days, arguing whether or not we had a five-year land supply, and it came to the conclusion that we hadn't got one, and we thought, and then, then despite that, the inspector then went on and rejected the application. So the only issue, just because we've got... A less, we're in a worse situation in terms of the five-year land supply doesn't necessarily mean that a, a site that was rejected previously will be now accepted. You know, the level of harm was quite here. The level of harm has been reduced by the amount of houses. I think everyone would accept that. But the overarching situation is we have the issue. So trying to capture what, what you know, as the proposer, Councillor Bagnall has said, you know, he's picked up S7, and I think, S, I, think I agree with Councillor Gerard. S7 is enough, to be honest, in terms of arguing it. That was the basis of the, the Gladman's decision, etc. Previously, um, you can put the emerging SP10 policy coming through for the local plan because that is gathering weight. Um, the neighbourhood plan, because of the process, will probably get adopted or made before the local plan. That's because of the process, not because of any judgment on either of them. Um, there is no problem about putting the neighbourhood plan as part of that process as well, because that is gathering weight. The big issue is, and it's your call, I would advise you whether you want to include Gen 1 as part of that discussion. And that's your call. That's absolutely your call. Sandy? Oh. Just, just while, uh, yes, uh, just while a, a side discussion goes on <laughs> on that point, um, the, the, um, in your summing up there, the, the issue of the fact that there have been a large number of houses built in a type A village, sort of exceeding what might be expected, does that not carry any weight? It's, it's around the case, if you're rejecting it on S7, I would, I would suggest that moving forward in terms of framing an appeal, and we'll do this with members, we'll do this with the members, and we'll do this with the two local members. So basically in that's included in an it's, S7. It's, it's, in, it's in terms of S7, and that would be bolstering up. One thing I also forgot to add was you also need the other thing, the complicated one about the lack of Section 106 issues. Okay, we're not rejecting it from that, but we need to make it quite clear that we need to seek the Section 106, which covers education. It does cover affordable housing. It does cover education. It does cover open space provision. It does cover... There was highway improvements as part of that. There is also the RAMS issue in terms of because of this peculiar bit of Felsted, it gets caught up with um, the RAMS issues in the Blackwater estuary, which I can't get my head around, but that's where we are with it, as well as the SUDS requirements. So we need to ensure that that's all covered within the 106 process as well in terms of, your, in terms of if you're going to reject this matter. So it's all down to the Gen 1 issue, to be honest, at the moment. Madam Chairman, may I suggest that we put this to the vote? I think we've got the proposed second vote Thank you, Chair. Question for uh, Mr. Brown. Would Gen 1, the use of Gen 1, relate solely to the access? Well, in terms of the... Uh, what I'm thinking of is 
if the previous inspector effectively said there's nothing the matter with the access, we sh I don't think we should be trying to throw it in now. It's moved, though. It is a different access. It's a Okay. Yeah, so. Seven, SB10, and the Felton Neighbourhood Plan. Therefore, we are going to. We are going for a resolution to not to. Don't add, don't add treble no, negatives. It's the resolution is not to support the application and to defend the appeal on, on the grounds of S7, well, that's what Councillor Gerard just said. Yeah. That is a point of maximum clarity, Madam Chairman. I suggest you go with it. <laughs> and I absolutely agree with you. Yes. Can I take that to a vote? Unanimous, again. Report UTT 191902 Saffron Walden Museum, Museum Street. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Chairman. These are two trees within the conservation area, so we have to require notification in terms of whether or not to fell them or not. Um, the action would be to TPO them, is the only response to taking down trees. And they are sycamore trees and they are causing quite a lot of lot of harm to buildings, so the recommendation is to raise no objection to the felling of these trees. Councillor Freeman. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, I know these trees very well. They're about 50 yards from my front door. I see them out of my bedroom window every morning and whatever, every night in the evening. So, uh, and I fully support their removal. They are in poor shape and they hugely overshadow one of their historic cottages. Uh, which has been damaged by bits falling off them. But I do suggest, Madam Chairman, as a condition, we should require them to be replaced, obviously not with the same size of tree. But losing trees is um, something we should not encourage. I think a couple of specimen trees should be planted elsewhere, in the grounds or in Uttersford property, but I think we should replace them. Sorry, I'm trying to word this. We can't actually put a requirement to replace trees on a notification but I think as Arsenal has taken two trees down, that, that request has been heard by, by corporately. I think. 
so I propose that we take the trees down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, that's been proposal to accept the removal of these trees. So, um, can I take a vote on that, please? Oh, there we go. Unanimous. Thank you. What's the date of the next meeting?